Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Do you realize two weeks from this very moment, we will be discussing a football game. We will be discussing the Utes and Weber State because they played two weeks from last night. The college football season is almost here. We've been talking about it for a while, and finally, it is nearly here for us to enjoy. Uh, Two weeks from tomorrow night, BYU will be playing the Arizona Wildcats in Las Vegas, a game I expect the Cougars to win. Arizona's got a new coaching staff and a ton of issues to address, but you still got to do it. It doesn't matter what the odds makers say or what media people say. They got to go out there and get it done. Are they ready to get it done? How are things progressing? Let's go to BYU camp. Going to hear from Dallin Holker first, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. How's the process going for you? We, we hear good things, but how's the process of getting back to where you want to be going? Uh, I think it's going good. That The first few practices are definitely a little just weird getting back into football and playing football again and just trying to remember how to even play football. But uh, it feels really good just every day. I feel like I'm learning again, getting back back to my feet and where I want to be. Uh, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, Dallin, coming off of a mission, is there any physical advantage that you feel like you've picked up from that time off? Uh, I mean, I definitely feel like I've, like my body has matured more and uh, I feel more comfortable in my body now. And especially just after that first year, learning a bunch of things and uh, now going into my second year, I feel like there's a, um, a lot of advantages that um, I have now. We saw you in a pretty multifaceted role when you were at BYU as a freshman. Do you envision kind of playing that same type of a role, or are you just willing to fit in wherever? Um, yeah, I'm willing to uh, do the same thing, but, I mean, whatever it really takes for us, the team, to win and to be the best that we can be um, is what I'll, I'll try to do. Okay, go ahead, Trevor. Hey, Dallin. So between you and Isaac Rex, you have a really fantastic tight end room going into the season. What do you think is going to be your biggest strength in adding to the amazing year that Isaac Rex had last year? What do you think you two can do to complement each other so that, you know, whoever's playing quarterback can find you both open on the field? I mean, it's always good to have, um, especially in our tight end room, it's a really talented tight end room. So, I mean, uh, it's good that when one of us comes out that the next person can come right back in and, and keep doing good and uh, keep killing defenses. So it'll be good um, to have us both in there and to have all the tight ends in there together. Let's go Sean and then Jay. Uh, yeah, Dallin, kind of just following up on that a little bit. How deep is this tight end room? Because we obviously know what you did during your freshman year. Uh, some of us have been following you for, for a while. We know what, what Isaac did last year. I don't know how much you've been caught up to speed on all that, too. But how, how deep does this group go? And is it is it a group that you could see uh, coaches kind of maybe figuring out ways to get multiple multiple sets of you guys on the field at the same time, even? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's um... – about six or seven of us right now in the tight end room, and I mean any of us, any of us can really play. Um, it's competitive and, and it's fun. And I, I definitely feel like uh, there's different um, different ways that we could all uh, help out the offense when we're in. Yeah, uh, Sean asked the question. I was going to ask uh, Dallin, so I'll just throw out one. Uh, who's the best golfer on the team? Who? I guess you guys went to Top Golf uh, yesterday. Who? 
Who's the guy I want in my foursome? <laughs> um, I was, I was going to say Jared, but he just walked in, so I don't want his head to get too big. So I'd probably have to go with, um, let's see. No, either Jaron or, or Baylor. I heard they're both pretty good. They're too scared to go with me because I know I'd beat them. But So probably one of those two. All right, thanks. Okay, Bryce and then Greg. So, Dallin, since it's been a, about three years since your last um, action on the football field, what do you feel like you have added to your game that they that we may not recognize from these past from the last time you played? Uh, yeah, I kind of just experience. Uh, when I came in, I was 18 years old. I didn't really have know a lot of things or or even about football. But I feel like that time away, I was able to mature a lot and especially by going on a mission, just learn different things and um, be able to learn and to grow. So I think that's helped me out a ton. And now going into my, my sophomore season, I'm 21. So it's uh, a big difference. <laughs> so also to like add on that, for those who may not remember when you did play, what would be the, like the biggest asset to your game or your biggest strength? Um, like while, when I was my first year? Uh, yeah. Um, I feel like I'm just, uh, I mean, I'm taller and I'm bigger, but I can still uh, run and uh, do those types of things. So I think just be able to be bigger and be able to run fast. <laughs> hey, Dallin, uh, maybe you've talked about it in the past and I've missed it, but 32 is not the most common a tight end number, but it is a pretty big number at BYU with Dennis Pitta. Is there a Pitta connection between you and him and that number? And is it something you're aware of? Uh, I'm definitely aware of it. I mean, I respect his game a lot and try to watch it and try to replicate what he does. Um, but my freshman year, that just gave me the number, so I stuck with it, so I really like it. But uh, I'm happy to, to try to represent it the best that I can. So it was total luck that you got 32. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yep. All right, Mitch, last question. Yeah, Dallin, uh, I remember the, the seeing the photos when you first came to BYU. You were in like a junior jazz or something with Zach Wilson. Uh, what was it like out in the mission field? Did you get wind of all the kind of craziness that Zach was creating in college football last year? And what was it like seeing him become the number two pick? Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty crazy. I remember uh, when, I, when I left, actually, um, to go on my mission, Zach texted me. And he's like, oh, like – congrats like I'll see you later and stuff and I was like I was like yeah at least we'll get one more year when I get back and then he's he texts me back saying that we're not going to get another year so that shows the confidence that he had in himself um but it was pretty crazy I remember my parents calling me and telling me like yeah he's projected to go top 10 and then it was like top two it was super cool and I'm super ha uh, happy for him what do you think or what's kind of the the chemistry because you got to play with Zach in your first year um in, in the back half of the season. What, what's been maybe the chemistry you formed with this current crop of quarterbacks that uh, sound to be pretty good? Um, I mean, I was with him, uh, with the other quarterbacks too, my first year. I came in with some of them. And so we're always doing workouts together and, and we're always together. So it's a family here. So it's not really like anybody's ever left out or anything like that. So we're all really close, uh, a close group, and it's fun to be around them. There's Dallin Holker now. 
Here's Fessy Sataki, the receivers coach. Yeah, Fessy, uh, maybe, maybe could you describe what's the, uh, maybe the intensity, physicality of practice uh, kind of in the, the dog days of camp right now? What's been maybe the, the, the vibe of practices this week? That's been one of the more promising things for me just in the big picture of, of the team is the intensity, the, the passion, the energy that's uh, that we're seeing right now right in the thick of camp. And I think that right there is just a product of, of the culture, you know, of the leadership we have on this team. And, and um, I've been really, uh, really pleased with the, the energy and the excitement that these guys are just playing, you know, in the, the toughest part of fall camp. You mentioned leadership. Who, who are some of those individuals on the offensive side that you've noticed taking on more of a leadership role on, uh, this year? Um, first guys that come to mind, just the, obviously our, our, our three quarters, three quarterbacks battling out, done a great job um, on the O-line. Harris LeChance is, is a guy that always sticks out to me, how vocal and how, how much energy that guy has every single day, whether things are good or bad. James Empey's always a solid um, leadership figure, does his job. Receiving room, um, you know, Neil Gunner do a great job. Nakua Brothers, so much personality and energy. They do a great job. Um, Keanu Hill does a, an unbelievable job. Our running backs, Lopini um, and Tyler, you know, are guys who who have always, you know, just kind of shown leadership in the way they play. But I've seen them more vocal this year than I, I you know, they haven't shown in the past. And then, um, you know, Isaac Rex, Down Holker. I mean, some of those key positions, those guys. One one of the things that makes them great is their leadership uh, qualities as well. They're all a part of that the energy we see every day. Okay, go ahead, Jay. I'm just curious, are you ready to share kind of your receiver's depth chart with us yet, or are you still a little bit away from, from nailing that down? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not ready yet. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think it's, it's taking shape, but, but, um, you know, there's still, there's still things I got to figure out uh, and work through. Um, I, I can't say that Neil and Gunner, you know, it's not a surprise are, are two guys that, you know, we're, we're going to be investing heavily in They're proven guys. Um, you know, but after that, there's there's a plethora of receivers who, um, with a little bit more time and reps, you know, I can start to um, discuss that more. So the video for, we saw from the scrimmage uh, looked like you've got some newcomers that are that are showing well. Can you kind of give us an idea of what maybe new faces we might see this year that are kind of moving up a little bit? Yeah, um, newcomers as in like their first time here or just guys who haven't played a lot like in or the past just, just who's besides the the guys we know about maybe who are some guys that have yeah. kind of surprised you or impressed you that maybe we don't know that much about yeah Keanu Hills had a had a great fall camp he's one that just with time and more experience gets better and better um improves in in his receiver play and understanding our offense Chris Jackson is another one who's taken such a big step in terms of just the mental part of, and knowledge of the playbook he's he's super comfortable and and I completely trust him um you know understanding the playbook um Braden Cosper unbelievable camp um and then you know the Nakua brothers I know they're they're on a limited basis right now but when they go they've they've shown and proven that they got the playbook down and, and can make plays when the ball comes their way um you know Hobbs Nyberg is another one who's when, when he gets his his uh, shots you know he 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 takes advantage of them um I know when you start naming guys, you run the risk of forgetting guys, but I can go down the list. Every guy's done something well, but those are just some of the guys that have um, have really stepped up this camp. Go ahead. 
Fessy, uh, Kalani's mentioned in the past that, you know, he'll more likely than not defer to, to A-Rod and you when it comes to the quarterback decision. Uh, what input will you give uh, to, to A-Rod in the decision? What's maybe been your observations of these quarterbacks? Just my, my, my perspective from a receiver standpoint, um, I think there's two components to that. One is I know what my guys, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty vocal and, you know, and, and positive about the different quarterbacks and what they bring and, and, um, you know, little things, how, how, how the ball comes out their hand and, and, um, you know, some of that stuff from the receiver side. And then there's just my side of, of whatever I know from the little bit of quarterbacks I coached. And then, um, just another voice in the coaching room. A-Rod's always been great at being, you know, including everyone and, and getting our opinions. So that's kind of how, where I see my role, nothing, nothing crazy. Just giving my opinion from from receiver perspective and um, from my own individual one. One of the younger names in the receiver room that I wanted to to touch base with you on is, is Cody Epps. I know he's banged up a little bit in spring and and dealt with some uh, injuries here and there in, in fall. But how's he coming along? Is is he healthy? Where, where's Cody at? He's progressing. He's one that we're, we're still um, just being very, very careful with. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's a foot deal and that's not something you want to, you want to push. So um, in terms of he's ready mentally, there's no doubt in my mind, he's so competitive, but he's someone who I'm just, you know, slow playing and I'm not forcing it. Um, so yeah, that's why we haven't seen a ton of him this fall. Thanks, Fessy. Jerem, go ahead. What's up, Fessy? How you doing, man? Good. What's up, man? Good. Um, so you mentioned the uh, Nicole brothers are on a limited basis right now. Are they pacing to be available and play against Arizona? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. That's, that's the plan. So, and what have you seen from them that has impressed you to where you feel like they could make an impact this season? Uh, just their ability to, to make plays. I mean, they, when the, they have a knack for going and getting the ball, um, understanding um, the concepts that we have, knowing, you know, where the ball is going to be. And, and they bring um, they just bring a lot of personality to our room. I, I know that's something that you don't see in statistics and numbers, but that's huge. When you have guys that have a natural um, ability to lead and to bring energy um, and passion to the field, like, you value that stuff as a coach. And so the fact that they can couple that with their ability to make plays and pick up this playbook are, are things that I think are keeping them on track to, for us to see a lot of them this year. And th- did they integrate right away really well, or did it take a second? Right away. Right away. And the reason why one, I think they're going to fit in no matter where they go. That's just their personality. Um, but the other thing is just the credit to our room man. they to those guys, no egos, uh, welcome them in with open arms right away. And then that trickled out to the rest of the team. I just think the culture of this team and the way everyone's taking them in is, is just more proof of, of the family unit and bond and the culture that we have here. Okay. Last question, Greg, go ahead. Hey, Fessy. Um, I know you're busy with your own thing, obviously, but have you gotten any sense uh, of the buzz Dax is creating uh, with Washington? And and I'm sure you're not surprised that he's opening eyes. What helps him do that at a high level, do you think? Uh, his ability to just stay calm and who he is no matter what. Um, when And Dax is, was like that last year when things were going really good or when, when you know, things were, were a little tense, he was the same person. So I'm not surprised. I've been able to fortunately to be, to stay in touch through text, just talked to him the other day and just got, kind of got his opinion on things and how things are going. I'm so proud of him. Um, I know he's just going to con- continue to keep doing well. And, and I think the future is really bright for him. And what does it mean to have, I mean, presuming he sticks, have, have, have BYU receivers 
um, you know, contributing at the next level for this program. Yeah, it, it means a lot. You know, it just it's, it, it just sends the message to most importantly, our guys right now in the room that, that they can accomplish their goals. You know, we preach that as a staff that you come here to BYU, you can accomplish all your goals that you can anywhere else. And, you know, when you when, when guys go to the NFL and specifically in the receiver room, that keeps that message flowing strong. And then it sends a message to all the recruits and the potential uh, players here, um, you know, that are going to play for BYU that that you can you can go accomplish your dreams, whether you come in as a highly touted recruit four-star, five-star guy, or whether you walk on and, and don't have many scholarships that you'll come here, you'll thrive, you'll get your opportunities, and if you make the most of it, you'll be able to, to accomplish your goals. There's Fessy Sataki at Cougars Camp. For more on the Cougars, we got Dick Harmon coming up and Chris Camerani on the Utes later in the hour. But Dick's next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're joined now by Dick Harmon, sports columnist for the Deseret News. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret, despite a couple days of rain, that Utah is still in extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Dick, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys? We're good. good. How are you? I'm I'm this smoke is killing me. It's just killing me. It's cutting down everything you want to do outside. It really is, yes. And the rain will help with that, but then the rain has its own problems, apparently. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to get on the radio, and we're going to talk sports. That's what we're going to do. Well, good idea. All right. <laughs> so I'm uh, curious, as you hear another season, and, you know, why not be optimistic in the preseason? Because there's no point in being pessimistic and beating yourself up. But how much of the optimism that you're hearing you think is warranted? What have you heard that's on target? And where do you think it's maybe misplaced and overstated? Oh, man, that is a great question. Um and multi-parts, too. Yeah, jump um, in anywhere you like. You get to ignore the part you don't like. Well, you know, I think the enthusiasm that Kalani has is probably real because he uh, he's put a, invested in a lot of recruits that he hasn't had the chance to coach until the last couple of years. And he's coming off 11-1, and one and they think they have uh, momentum off of a big bowl game in which uh, Jeff Grimes and uh, uh, Eric uh, Mateos were not there. So basically some of the, the guys in the room were able to go and produce a great big bowl win on, you know, on the road against uh, Central Florida. So I think the fact that they got in 12 games and a lot of other people didn't, I think he's, he's got depth and experience and a lot of players were able to see playing time. And uh, I think all those things combined to, to put a positive spin on what he's trying to do out there with these guys. And the negative may be overblown. Is it's going to be hard to replace Zach Wilson. Let's face it, this kid has a tremendous talent. Uh, uh, he, he's got a great arm. He was very accurate. And I think the accuracy is something that's going to be hard to be replaced by any replacement that they have because Zach was simply that good. I do think there's a warranted uh, positivity in the fact that the running back core is all intact and back and they're deep. 
and their wide receiver core maybe as deep and as talented as I've seen in in decades here in Provo. And a tight end situation with uh, Isaac Rex, a guy that got 12 touchdown passes tied for the lead and the nation is back. So I, I think some of it is justified statistically and, and experience and performance-based, and others are just question marks that you have to wait and see what happens. How about the defensive backfield? It seems like they've got a lot, a lot more bodies, and the bodies that they have there are not guys that they sort of scooped up uh, because they may be a junior college kid who fell through the cracks or maybe like a Brian Logan who's a little on the small side. It seems that they actually have some potential players there, and so from that respect, uh, they might have some more talent across the board than they've had in a good while. You know, I, I think if I were to pick one thing that was going to surprise people and has surprised people and will, it is that what you just mentioned. I, I think uh, D'Angelo Mandel is a real player. Malik Moore, we've seen just the, the, the short time that we've been allowed to watch. He's a playmaker. Um, these are not small little corners like Brian Logan. These guys are all over six feet tall, uh, 5'11 at the least, uh, 180, 190 pounds. They can run. They're fast. Probably as good as man coverage uh, secondary as BYU's had in in a long, long time, maybe since 1996. So I think these guys will surprise you because they will be in position. Like Chris Wilcox, they do have size. They have range. Um, they're confident. I think uh, General Guilford's done a great job uh, along with uh, Ed, Ed Lamb and, and getting these guys specifically uh, with with the uh, the tangibles that you can measure, the size and the speed, and, and then develop them. And, and I think that would be probably the story of this team is that uh, the corners are probably better than a lot of people think BYU can do. So a lot of what you say about the secondary, I've heard there seems to be some consensus building around that. But the position group where there doesn't seem to be any incentives, I'm going to have to default to a PK position, which, of course, will lead PK to take a victory lap that will annoy me to no end. But nonetheless, that's where we are. Uh, You know, he says, well, we'll find out on Saturdays. That's the great thing. And I guess that's where I'm going to find out about the defensive line, because I don't hear any consensus on that. There are people who think it's going to be great. There are people who think it's going to be good. There are people who raise an eyebrow and wonder if it's going to be the team's Achilles heel. Which where, where do you fall on the spectrum? Well, I, I think I'll, I'll add a little bit of a different uh, observation to that. It'll be different. So, you know, it, it'll be different in terms of its size uh, and mobility. Now, you don't have a Karis Tong there that's going to plug up and take on two blockers and, 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 you know, push somebody back into the backfield so far that they knock down the quarterback, which he did a few times. But, but I think that they have some more agile athletes that can go around people. Uh, they're a little bit quicker. I think Tyler Batty, he only played four games, but he led the team in sacks, and he's a backup. I think Lorenzo Fotea, is, uh, he's got talent. Uh, Tinsley uh, Mahi, he's, he's good. Uh, he's got size. He's a great athlete. Um, Earl uh, Tuzo Mariner and uh, um, I think Uriah Luatea. Peyton Wilgar. Peyton Wilgar, I think, is going to surprise people. He'll play a little bit of defensive end. He's a linebacker, uh, but he's a player. Uh, I visited with his dad who lives in Las Vegas, played with BYU back in the 60s. Uh, the guy's got the bloodlines, and he is a playmate. You might remember, I think it was against Southern Cal, the interception that he made out in the flats. But I think they've got versatility, and they're different. I think that's the word that I would use, Dave, is that there's just going to be a different defensive line than BYU's had. And the, and the linebackers will be a big part of showing the four or five man front and being active in that front front seven. 
Some talk about Kalani and being extended and not being extended and, you know, how long they're going to let it, let it play out. And I've had some people around the program, I'm sure you've had too, that have complained to, an, to a degree is that uh, the administration lavishes love on Mark Pope and extends him before he even starts his second season. And Kalani, they sort of twist it in the wind. And, and what are they going to do again there? Uh, and I'm wondering... How do you view this situation? Is it just a matter of getting around it, getting around to it, or they're not quite as sold on Kalani as they are as Pope? What's your take there? Well, I, I think it's more who's got the pocketbook. I, I you know, that's a good observation. But you, you have Mark Pope being backed by the owner of the Utah Jazz, a good friend, a confident, a person that's put up money for him at Utah Valley and at BYU, and has given them about what they want. I mean, these two guys are buddies. But on the other hand. Now you've got Kalani coming in with the guy with Bilt Bar, uh, this Greer guy, and it's his buddy, and it's his good guy, and he's got a paycheck, uh, a, a pocketbook, and that's pretty deep. And, and so Kalani now has his guy in his corner that's developed over the last year, and uh, coming up this Sunday with a big, big blockbuster announcement. What you're seeing is is playing out uh, the money game, and so Kalani's finding his money guy, and he's got leverage now because of what's happened. Uh, with his friend and his connection. And uh, and I think that in time, if this thing gets worked out, then that money guy's going to step up, like Pope's guy stepped up and said, hey, let's extend this guy, and I'm going to be a force behind it to help to help make that happen. So I think the clock's ticking, the relationships are in place, and you got to play out a, a, a money game that just has one step that's already taken last week, and then the next step will come up. But definitely, I, th- I think in uh, talking to those who are very close to um, the Kalani is that he, he's approaching this with humility. He's saying, "I haven't done anything yet. I've got to, I've got to do something." I was working on a project with some family members this summer. I thought I had it pulled off, but when it came to Kalani, he put a kibosh on. He says, "No, because I haven't earned the right to do that." And so I think that's where Kalani's coming from: is that he wants to prove even more, and then come in with his money back and say, "Okay, let's get it done." So you think basically that seven and six season two years ago is the one that's kind of the the mark that says he hasn't done anything yet because you've got you can't just win you have to win consistently and what could have been a ten win season with very little imagination ended up being a seven and six season. Yeah, and that happened for a lot of different reasons. I mean, there were some coaching issues, there were some recruit issues, there were some quarterback issues that I think people were strapped with and, and had to use. And then there were some injury issues. So there's a lot of reasons that probably were not Kalani's fault that that happened, but he takes responsibility for it. But, uh, you know, the 11-1, and one, that was a pretty good year last year. We're not extending, but I think that in his mind and maybe in the mind of some people, there's some mechanisms that have to happen before they take that step forward. And I think they're in the works. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the money people because the fact is that if he puts together, say they go 9-3 and three this season, maybe even 10-2, and two, well, I think by probably the best case scenario, for the sake of argument, uh, do that. There's going to be openings in the Pac-12. I mean, uh, Herm Edwards looks like he's on shaky ground. Who knows? There's a, guys move on. Guys get fired. So the point being, and certainly with Mark Pope, too, uh, the enthusiastic marketing machine that he is is just a, a genius in that regard, that they're going to have opportunities to move on. And BYU, in a just sort of a crazy way, has sort of prided itself in not uh, paying market value 
And so you could potentially lose either one or both of these guys, which would be a shame because it seems like they're set up for success. Do you think that at that point, BYU is willing to up its game as far as salaries, not necessarily the literal going rate, but close to it? Well, I think they have to. I mean, if they want to keep in this game and keep things rolling as an independent, then they have to be. They have to have people, you know, in in charge that are going to help them to do that. And I think the, the best, uh, probably, case of that is the uh, female uh, non-LDS track uh, and cross-country coach that they elevated and gave her a title and more money and uh, made her one of the first uh, non-LDS head coaches in recent memory. It's been a few years since that's happened, but they, they shifted gears, they stepped up, and they did what they needed to do. And I think that they'll need to do that, yes. And I think that they have the people in place. You know, BYU's salary is going to be X, but, but the money comes from the outsiders and funds and the coaches' circles and other things that build uh, the salaries that they need. Those, those are done... Uh, through different organizations connected to BYU but outside of BYU. And I think you've seen that with Polk, with the owner of the Utah Jazz, and you've seen that with Greer right now with the Bilt Bars and what he's done in funding literally every single BYU player in the program. So when you talk about those organizations uh, being outside, how much are they controlled by BYU? How much say does BYU have, and how much are they really freelancing? Oh, they, they have control. BYU is an organization that will not let an outside entity control what they do. So there's a bridge there. There are people that are liaisons, and there's lawyers involved that, uh, you know, and the Board of Trustees has to approve it. Um, but but the, the salary that BYU has is, is just X amount, and that's probably basic. And, you know, you can grow that a little bit here and there, but the outside money, which is under control, um, you know, that is what determines the amount that you're going to keep a coach with. How about the assistants, too? We had Reno Mahe on the other day, and we're talking about BYU underpaying notoriously, and he basically laughed and said, yeah, no kidding. Uh, do you think they can increase that pool, too? Yeah, but I, I think when you talk to Reno and you talk to anybody on that staff at that particular time, they were in a situation where they were not paid very well at all. So you're talking about a different universe. Um, after that seven-win season, after the struggles that they had, when they brought in Jeff Grimes, and he was able to bring in who he wanted to. That that shifted gears a bit. So when you peek into that history with that group, that's a whole different story. There's Dick Harmon from the Deseret News. When we come back, Chris Camrani from The Athletic, covering the youths, uh, but also doing a lot of feature writing, including a feature story on the youths linebacker coach. It's pretty interesting. Chris is next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, time now to talk with one of our favorites. Kiss Chris Camrani joins us. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. So secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Chris, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Well, as usual, I'm confused and PK's trying to straighten me out, but I think it's really going to take you. 
So <laughs> you went to the athletic and you were writing about the Utes. But then mm-hmm. the Olympics came around and you were writing a lot of features. Mm-hmm. But now you've written some Utes. So are you uh, just staying, ver- staying versatile and valuable? Was that a temporary deal? Or are you, with the Olympics already only like, uh, I don't know, 18 months away or something to the Winter Games, you going to do both? What's, what's your deal? <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time somebody asked me that, DJ, I'd be a very rich man. Nice. <laughs> um, my deal is... is uh, my job has changed a little bit at The Athletic. I'm more of just a wide-ranging features writer, um, not hyper-focused to the local scene um, anymore. I kind of have the the runway to pursue stories not only you know here in Utah, but nationally and internationally if I want to. Um, the The story that ran yesterday was something that had been done for a few months. They just kind of wanted to hold it with the proximity of the college football calendar coming up. And yeah, so that, that is my deal. I'm, I'm still gainfully employed by the athletic, which is a great place for me to work. And luckily they've given me the pathway to do what I feel like I'm decent at. And yeah, I'm just a very privileged, lucky man. Well, Chris, you're not only decent at it, you're as good as there is at it, honestly. I mean, you're a storyteller of the truest form, so I can see why they'd have you do that. And I've told you this before. I think you're just absolutely marvelous at it, and it is your calling. And that's where you're going to get, they're going to get their most value, is to have you tell stories in print form. Because literally, I don't think I've read anybody better. So I'm glad that you're doing that, because it's what you should be doing, because you're so darn good at it. Um the thing that you spoke of, the story that ran, was the Colton Swan story, who's a linebacker coach. I assume that's the one you're talking about, the linebacker yeah. coach at the University of Utah, who went to Weber on a rodeo scholarship, I believe, and I don't even think that I knew that that existed until I saw that. And so tell us, uh, I think Swan's a great interview. Every time I've interviewed him, probably you know six or seven times, he's been there a couple of years now. He's got a lot of energy, and he's direct, and he's quotable and articulate and all that. So I find it fascinating that he's still doing the rodeo. Tell us about that story. Well, first off, the check is in the mail. PK, I'm just dropping <laughs> it off. I'm out, in the, I'm out in the rain right now, just getting wet. Um, secondly, yeah, no, so uh, when, when Colton was hired uh, before the start of the 2019 season, that was around the time I was hired at The Athletic a few months later that summer. And back then, my full-time job was being the beat writer of the Utes. And, you know, your first first thing you should do is you should be, you know, reading up and researching on people that might have interesting stories. And sure enough, I go to Utah's website and in his bio, it says that Colton Swan went to Weber State on a rodeo scholarship. And like you, I had no idea that that was even a possibility. So start kicking the tires with the SID department and, you know, say like, is there an avenue that I could, you know, sit down in Colton and Colton and talk to him about what this era of his life was like. And I come to find out that that era is nowhere near over. He still <laughs> competes in team roping events across the Intermountain West any chance he gets um, every summer. And uh, this was actually a story that was targeted to be done in the summer of 2020. But as we know, COVID kind of derailed um, lots of lots of plans. So I had to keep this thing on the back burner for a while, and luckily enough, um, through the uh, cooperation of Colton and the SID department, we were able to kind of nail down an ideal time to go watch him compete. And it turns out 
I got to go to lovely Rock Springs, Wyoming. Great place. I would recommend visiting there 10 times out of 10 and got to kind of glean um, a lot about this guy who's a pretty unique person, not only a football coach that I think a lot of people believe is one of the you know, really good young and up-and-coming assistant coaches on the West Coast, but also a guy who um, has a really fascinating backstory as an underdog from a small town in Idaho who kind of had to really work his way up uh, uh, not only the football scene, but also the rodeo scene as well. So I think it would be a safe assumption then that the toughness that it takes to compete in rodeo and get uh, battered and bruised and all that kind of stuff translates well to linebackers coach. I mean, he was made to do this. I mean, listen, the the stories that I heard about this guy growing up, um, yes, the answer is yes. And I think there, there's a, uh, a differentiation between rodeo cowboys and actual cowboys. And I learned this because Colton told me this. There are cowboys who get to have, you know, the luxury of living the life that they get to travel around and, and compete to win money um, in various disciplines on the rodeo circuit, which is tough. I get it. But there are also cowboys who grow up actually ranching and waking up at 3 a.m. and, you know, digging fence posts and resetting fence and all of this stuff that Colton did with his grandfather um, on his 10,000 acre farm in southwest Idaho growing up. So like Colton kind of had both um, experiences. He grew up understanding what it was like to run a a cattle ranch, literally, um, with his grandfather and his brothers, but also, you know, translated a lot of that skill set to competing in high school rodeos in Idaho and eventually, um, you know, made it to Weber on a a rodeo scholarship. And yeah, I mean, I, I think if you've never been to a rodeo, I think nothing against, I mean, football is different. I would say like, you know, rodeo folk are, are, are tougher on the whole just because it's, it's a very unforgiving lifestyle. It's not guaranteed. You, 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 pu- you pour so much time and effort and money into something that might not pay out. You know, you're, you're gassing up your horse trailer, you're gassing up your truck, you're driving to basically any potential spot that can help you sustain a very unique lifestyle and frankly a, a dated lifestyle that we don't get to see that much anymore. So it was really, really rad to be able to go out there and, <laughs> and, and see that this is very much still part of the culture of, of uh, this country. It was really cool. This is changes subjects uh, and I don't know what you can address on it, but I wanted to bring it up because as I've been following stuff with all this conference thing that's been going on with mm. the Texas and Oklahoma and a potential alliance uh, among these other conferences, what do you got the 12 or no, the Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, it seems like the athletic is really, really committed to staying all over this stuff and mm-hmm. trying to find out as much information. And that's, from my perspective anyway, is what I've been able to observe. Uh, have you had conversations with people who are involved in this? Because it seems like they're doing a really good job of trying to keep abreast of all the news. Yeah, I mean, the the folks at the College Football Vertical at The Athletic has really kind of led the way, I think, in terms of covering the hard news side of this. You know, colleagues like Max Olson and Nicole Auerbach, Chris Vanini, all the way down to some of the beat writers in the Big 12 and SEC country. They've, they've just done a phenomenal job. And it's, it's really cool to be able to see in real time because these folks are really, really good at what they do. And, 
you know, I think so much of this job usually normally is not easy, but you know, there, there is a, there's a pattern that you fall into with seasons and, you know, ebbs and flows of, of new cycles. But this year with the NIL developments and then kind of the, the bombshell of Texas and Oklahoma leaving so many of the folks at the athletic have been tasked with really just kind of, you know, digging into the old hard new style uh, reporter chops and they've, they've just done a phenomenal job doing it. And um, I, you know, haven't really been pulled into much of that yet. Maybe I will be later on down the line. I don't know, but from an outsider's perspective, it's, uh, it's something else to see. I mean, I think like, I, I, I guess the model is, <laughs> as much as college football fans want to believe that they're exactly like European soccer fans, because I know the crossover is so obvious. It's just, I think it's in a, a going to eventually become a pseudo champions league style event where you are only really pitting the, the, the quote unquote best of the best across the country with each other. And we're going to start seeing some angling soon guys. I mean, sooner or later, everybody's going to put their chips on the table to try to, attach themselves the tentacles are going to be out and it's going to be really interesting to see how this thing plays out well there's been a lot written about the four million games i the the game that can get four million viewers is a big event in college football well you have to have the best teams play the best teams to get that but if the best teams only play the best teams then suddenly you're going to have blue blood programs struggling to get to 500 so do you think the elite are really going to separate themselves or do you think the elite are going to make sure they play some big money games, maybe a few more than they have been. Maybe the sec playing 10 conference games was a little sign towards the future, but Hey, it's worth having uh, Illinois and uh, <laughs> Rutgers and Oregon state and uh, whoever else around. Cause you need some W's. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's going to be a, um, crossroads moment in that a lot of powerhouses are going to have to decide between payouts and, you know, competitive potential, because we know that the cream of the crop, the the top, you know, 5%, your Bama's, your Georgia's, Ohio State's, Oklahoma's, Texas's, whomever, they're always going to be in the mix. But um, these other folks that you're bringing with you, what I mean, I think unfortunately they just won't have as much, you know, saying power because they will just have been felt lucky enough to be brought along, and uh, unfortunately I, I'm I fear that that's going to be the case. But um, you make a great point. I mean, how are you going to sell to so many of these other fan bases that are going to, that are going to in theory be involved when they're likely just brought along to be? I don't want to say kind of like. The, the, the doormat for the rest of these powerhouses. But listen, guys, I, I think, especially in this country, we're obsessed with perennial winners. We have no concept of what it's like to really work hard for earning something. And that's why I think like the, the comparison to the, the European soccer model is so spot on is because over there, like you just feel lucky enough to be in the conversation. I mean, that that is a win in of itself. Whereas here, if your team isn't competing to be a national champion every year, your fan base is so delusional that they're like, why should I care? I mean, I honestly think that most fan bases operate in that realm of logic. And I think it's a very flawed realm of logic, but it's a reality nonetheless. 
So it's interesting to see what's going to happen to the Pac-12 as we know it, because one of the things that works against them, you know, financially and having to play these late games, I think going forward from a television perspective can actually possibly even save them because they do have that late window that they can utilize. But at the same time, I'm wondering, you know, the blue bloods that you speak of, the big dogs, so to speak, in the Pac-12 if they see, well, Texas and Oklahoma did something outrageous, what can we do? Is there a possibility of us maybe even forming their own little conglomeration, even if it's just four teams or whatever? I, you can, the possibilities are somewhat endless to a degree. Uh, what do you? What is your thought as far as the future of the Pac-12? Because it seems like it can go in a number of different directions. Yeah, I mean, my colleague Max Olson reported last week that there have been talks between the Pac-12, Big Ten, and the ACC, and that, you know, they're very preliminary, but (laughs) all the cards are on the table. And um, I think it's a cliche and it's getting overused, but people just don't want to be left behind. And from a Pac-12's perspective, um, they're going to have to figure out, um, you know, how they can maintain staying power. I agree with you that maybe – certain time slots work in their favor going forward but I think there is also a world guys in which individual schools might be looking out for 1A and 1B and usually 1A and 1B are themselves and um, there could be a world in which things splinter apart and I wouldn't be surprised at all Um, there the pressure that is money and um, you know attention national attention TV deals just being included the feel of inclusion is going to be a very heavy draw for presidents and chancellors and, you know, boards across the Pac-12 footprint. And um, we're just going to have to see how this thing plays out. So, so much for this whole collegiality thing, huh? (laughs) That's gone. I mean, mean, did it ever really exist though, guys? I mean, I think everybody was just faking it the whole time. Let's be honest. It's, finally the mask is is ripped off it it took too long there were too many decades in which we were pretending that we were all high and mighty but no i mean at the end of the day this thing was always about the, the dollar the mighty dollar and who can get paid and who can compete and the rea- i mean like the ncaa is you know its own fallacy in and of itself Well, we'll leave it right there, Chris. We have uh, appreciate having you on. Can you tell us what the next thing is, or will that mess it up? Someone will mess up your story if everyone knows what you're working on. Uh, no, I mean it's going to be everything. Like there will be some, you know, some NBA related, you know, big picture, you know, long form stuff in the near future. Um, really, anything that I find interesting, I'll be able to kind of um, tackle, and it will be a lot of random stuff. Like I'm not going anywhere. I'm still you know, calling Salt Lake home. So when, when need be, I'll be pulled in, but, um, there will, there will be stuff. And I'm sure that, um, I will be lucky enough to be back on the show pretty soon. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Chris. We appreciate it. I appreciate it guys. That's Chris Camrani from the athletic. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us. 
Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. I think you guys don't quite know how good this kid is. I think he is super rare. I think you just, I think he's like a young Dan Marino. And for people, you know, that are a little bit older who saw Marino when he came out in the 80s, people forget like Marino was the guy in the 80s. And then it morphed into Montana and the winning all the Super Bowl stuff. But it was like, you know how Rodgers has all the talent stuff, right? And Brady's like Montana. And then Elway came on, right? I just think that Zach has rare ability and that literally I've watched him in his first preseason game and like maybe four other plays. But I can see certain things and he has a couple of special traits that God doesn't give those gifts to very many people. And I think uh, without knowing him, but, uh, you know, if he's like, but uh, I think he is a hard worker and cares and loves the sport. The ceiling is crazy high for this kid. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, crazy levels, which is saying a lot. Well, there it is. There it is, PK. Tony Romo. Tony, I disagree with you 100%. You people don't know what you have. Tony, speak for yourself, man. <laughs> I got, God gave me, besides the looks, and a couple other things I can't mention on the air, but let me tell you something. He gave me the ability to discern. I've been driving a Zach Wilson bandwagon for four friggin' years. But you've never dropped a combination of Dan Marino and Patrick Mahomes. Because I'm not going to settle for that low. Oh, okay. Of course I've never dropped that. Brady, Elway, Montana. (laughs) Forget Marino. And he's got the flair and the style of Joe Willie. Well, he's with the Jets, so. He's got the looks. I know somebody who knows his uh, girlfriend's parents. Be nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, baby. Don't let go. <laughs> Tony Romo. The full-on, complete, and total endorsement of Zach Wilson at the Utah Open Media that, Availability and Promo. Big, big deal. He says it was in the NFL. I said it was a sophomore in high school. Come on! The bad news for the Jets, although they've got a combination of uh, multiple Hall of Fame and Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, uh, they lost their pass rusher, Carl Larson. He ruptured an Achilles tendon. He was supposed to be the guy. He was going to create the force the double team that was going to create advantages for everybody else. Three years, $45 million contract. He was dominating in camp. You're so big on the double teams. Now he's out. (laughs) Now he's out. <laughs> it only Kelly's. sets up the higher draft pick. They got two first-round picks next year. Nice. He's not going to be Judge Zach Wilson on his first year. Raiders coach John Gruden sent his team to the buses and cut their joint practice with the Rams short after a brawl broke out that featured punches, thrown helmets. Enough of that crap. Gruden said about an hour later at the team hotel, that's not good for football, that's not good for anything. So that's the end of that practice session. Good news for the players who were tired of practicing. Wrap that up. Good news for the players? Who were, you know what they're called then? Losers. Well, you mean good news that practice is. is over? That's not good news. You want to win, you better pay the price. Life is about paying the price, man. 
You pay the price, you'll get success. You don't pay the price, you don't, unless you have inheritance. The greatest and easiest form of wealth. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Six Kentucky football players have been charged with first-degree burglary. One also accused of first-degree one endangerment following the investigation of an incident last March at a private party. Three individuals entered a private party that were not invited to. They were asked to leave. They became upset, threatened to return. Came back a short time later with additional individuals. You love the police talk in the report. Forced their way inside, and one suspect was observed pointing a firearm at the victim. So that's six Kentucky football players, and we'll see where that goes as the season kicks off. I was a senior in high school. I was with about a group of about uh, seven, eight guys. We went to this party over in the Washington School District area, and we weren't invited. Whoo, man. Massive brawl. Really? But I sensed something was up, and I was able to get out of there. My friend literally lying in the gutter, face bleeding. No. Yeah. And I had just But you had the vibe like, this is no good. I'm gone. And there was a couple of cars. This is no good. And I got in the car. And I remember driving by and seeing my guys. So when it's a private party. It's a private party. Yes. No. Washington State football coach Nick Rolovich said Thursday intends to follow a new state mandate requiring COVID-19 vaccinations. He previously said he wasn't going to get it. But now the governor has issued a mandate. So governor? he could lose his job. Who's the governor? Says here Governor Jay Inslee. Oh, so Jay Inslee's a Democrat, huh? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know that? Yeah. Oh, good for you. The whole coast is all blue. It's all Democrats. I couldn't tell you Oregon's governor name, but the Oregon governor's a Democrat. No idea who it is. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Well, LeBron James got his feelings hurt, PK. Responding sarcastically on Twitter to a report from ESPN. They surveyed 10 NBA scouts and executives. Asked them a bunch of questions. And one of them is, you know, who's the best player in the NBA? And the votes were split between Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kevin Durant. Now... The Nets and the Lakers were the pick to go to the finals, so obviously they think LeBron is good and think the team is good, but he didn't respond to that. Everybody's against you in this world, PK. And he didn't get the vote for number one. If you were the third best player in the league and you are on the championship team, would you care? Well, these guys are bored. Man. Yeah. They have no financial worries. Boom. I mean, they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. They need stuff to. We're getting get the to the blood time going. of year. Yeah, we're getting to the time of year when Carl Malone would say something, mm. and Jerry Sloan would shrug it off with, "He'll be here when camp opens." And it's just get bored. They're that's I, all I, it I, is. I think you're onto it. I think it's a big part of it. I mean, he and he can't move around and it, life free because he's such a mega celebrity. Yeah, LeBron can't just go to the mall, go to the movie theater. Jordan built a movie theater in his home because he can go to the movies. And Jordan would do stuff like this, find stuff to fire him up, find alleged or perceived insult. LeBron finds alleged or perceived insult. Fires himself up. Terry Rozier, Charlotte, four years, $97 million extension. Running back for Nebraska. Mike Rozier. Mike Rozier, yeah. Well, that's the only Rozier I'm going to talk about. 
Net store Kevin Durant announces a partnership and sponsorship deal with cannabis marketplace Weed Maps and said he plans to use his platform to destigmatize marijuana use among athletes. Does that destigmatize it to the athletes or to the fans of the athletes? Is that destigmatized among athletes? I don't think it's that destigmatized to people under 25, 30, 35. Yeah, wait till you have a kid and you find out he's 14 and he's using it and then get back to me and see what you think. Dallas Mavericks are on two-time WNBA champion Christy Tolliver as an assistant coach. Currently plays for the Sparks, L.A., in the WNBA. Spent parts of two previous seasons working on the Wizards staff. Plans to keep playing in the WNBA while with the Mavs. path is clear. Who's coaching the Mavs these days? Uh, Jason Kidd got that job. Yeah, what did Jason, Jason Kidd have in his past? Some domestic violence allegations. Is this, is this legit or is it political? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it'd be weird if they make a playoff run and the WNBA starts and you gotta take off. We'll see if they can make a run. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Bees rained out yesterday. They can open a series with the Reno Aces tonight. Smith's Ballpark. Temporary restraining order against Dodger pitcher Trevor Bauer has been dissolved after a Superior Court judge ruled against a woman's request for a permanent restraining order. Diana Gould-Saltman determined Bauer did not pose a threat to the woman. What that will mean for the Dodgers, we'll see. He hasn't pitched in a long time, and they were announcing it one week at a time for a while. And well, you, mean you had somebody who told you that he's not coming back. Yeah, he's not coming back. Despite this, weird game of the night: Angels down ten two, rally to win thirteen ten. Game six, of the day, but what the heck? Six runs, yeah, game of the day. Six runs in an inning, and you hit three balls out of the infield. Bases loaded walks. Always spur the comeback. Dodgers heating up. Can smell the playoffs now. Whatever boredom or lethargy or whatever it was. Piling up the wins. Beat the Mets again. 4-1. to one. They're 11-2 and two since Trey Turner appeared on that lineup. DJ and PK. Hashtag RSL. Didn't we just have it yesterday? They're back. They're playing again Saturday. Playing Colorado, trying to win three in a row for the first time this year. Beat Colorado at home earlier this season. We'll see if they can handle game two on the road, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Both teams playing three games in a week, so the fatigue thing, that's an even, that's a wash. See if they can uh, make it three in a row. Uh, Good luck to you. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach, will join us at 8.30. Damian Lillard in town. He's got his game tonight. Bringing some Wildcats back. So he'll be at the Purple Palace. Randy will be coaching in that game. He'll join us at 8.30. And we'll talk to him about name, image, and likeness and how the Big Sky can capitalize on that. 
David Locke, radio voice of the jazz, makes his weekly visit at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK. Question of the day is coming up next, and it is all about expectations for Zach Wilson. Tony Romo, all sorts of pumped up. Somebody else, not nearly as much. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. My friend Christian Cox, former Ute. Do you have an idea as to what to expect from the Utes coming up? I'm on the road a lot. That's funny. I run into my former coaches and teammates in the airport. I'm not going to reveal their names. I've talked to a bunch of them. But there's an excitement around this quarterback position that hasn't been there in a while. Obviously, this transfer in Brewer, he wouldn't transfer up if he didn't know he had a real opportunity to lead this team. And I think there's some things that they can do in this offense they've not been able to do since the Brian Johnson era. I think the sky's the limit. Tell me a time when Utah's really had a quarterback that's really delivered in a while. So that's what gets me excited. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state. We're counting you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness. Right here on the Zone Sports Network. Question of the day. Colin Coward, not high on Zach Wilson, noting he isn't big. That he was 19-9 as a starter at the Y and 0-2 versus Utah. Is that a fair assessment? Travis, nailed it. Tony, facts. John, Coward's a blowherd or blowhard. Stephen labels him Jimmer 2.0. And Ryan says, as long as the check clears, who cares? There are people with longer, deeper thoughts, but PK, this is as divisive as anything with the rivalry. Well, it does, he doesn't need money as your, your, your guy. I mean, I don't know of a bigger cowherd fan than you. He's pointed out that he's silver spoonish to begin with. That he's rich. He's locked on the fact that his uncle owns and started JetBlue. And I don't know if he still owns it, but he started. So he must be rich and all that. And because if you're rich, you can't be good. I'm looking at you, Peyton Manning. My guess is you didn't grow up like I did. NFL dad wasn't short on the cash. He was long on the cash. Yeah. He had more cash than Johnny. And both of them been everywhere. <laughs> I mean, Cowherd, your guy, you won, You quoted him for like 17 years straight. No, I didn't. Was it 18? You loved him. He came on right after us. You'd go home and listen to him every day on your ride home. And you would take a circuitous route so you could listen to him longer. No, I really wouldn't. <laughs> Me just driving around aimlessly in love Sir with the sports talk Yeah, it's a tough word to say. Come on. Yesterday, he wasn't saying $7 words, but today he is. The hypocrisy. I know. Everybody knows what Turkish is. It's like trying to say Worcestershire sauce. I mean, it's a hard I hate that thing word. to that say. That is a hard word to exactly. say. Exactly. And I don't really like this stuff, so that helped me avoid saying it. Yeah. Sometimes. sometimes but you, we all know the word. Worcestershire sauce. 
And it's just circuitous sure, route. Sure, sure. I guess I can't say that stuff. And you would do that to get more of him, and then you would come in and repeat what he said. Dad would be lathering that stuff with burgers on the grill. And you had a grill? Jeez. Oh, the advantages. Yep. College education. There it is. Good for you. And you're not that snobby. That's what's great about it. <laughs> State school. State school. Elite state school. Now. But nevertheless. Not so much then. I mean, I, I, now it's rolling. Somebody told you yeah. in 1942 that a chair could get into ASU, and you repeated it 40 years later. I was a former ASU uh, assistant coach. 40 years later, you've repeated it. Hmm. So Santa not Barbara could years. evolve, but apparently the school in the desert. Absolutely not. Our football program, we know it as Always Something University. That's what ASU stands for. Barry says Zach is where he is because of COVID. I wish him the best as a diehard BYU fan, but as a realist, I just don't see him doing well in the NFL. Let's hear what the herd had to say. Your hero. And so when people say you don't like Zach Wilson, it's not that I don't like him. He's smaller than I'd like. You know, he was 19 and 9 in college, could never beat the good teams he played. He, he was 0 and 2 to his rival. It's nothing against Zach Wilson. I think Trey Lance is a bigger, stronger athlete. I think Justin Fields is a bigger, stronger athlete. So I like them more than Zach Wilson. I think Trevor Lawrence, a bigger, stronger athlete. I do think, you know, with very few exceptions, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, I like my quarterbacks to be 6'2, 6'3, see over the line. It's an easier life. Bigger arm is always better than an average arm, right? So Zach Wilson has an average arm. Did he not see the throw? The throw. Come on. Where's he coming from? He's your hero. Explain. He's tweaking New York. I think he's speaking from the heart. Uh, L.A. guy tweaking New York. He's not an L.A. guy. I mean, just where he got the job. He's been in Portland. He's been in Vegas. He he's, I told Bristol. you, he's Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> Down. He got to where he is because of COVID. Chuck says, I'm a BYU fan. I think it's a fair assessment. I hope Zach proves him and me wrong, but I would have drafted Fields. Let me take you down, because we're going to draft Justin Fields and hope he is real. There's nothing to get hung about. Zach Wilson will suck. Andre says, it's a fair take because it's a prove-it league. The kid has tons of talent, though. Wait, wait, if it's a prove-it league, what the crap is Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence proved? Mm, they're really good in a couple of preseason games. Oh, they're not? I was going to say, um, uh, <laughs> we've only seen one game out of most of them so far. Yeah, I mean, last night was the second week. Start of the second week, yeah. Yeah. You're right. So we ain't seen that. We you and your Mac bias. In one game. Mac the Knife Jones. He'll carve you up. There you go, New England. I just gave you your niche and hitch. Let him do a touchdown. And he stitch. Let him do two touchdowns. He you let can him do go three touchdowns. Mac the Knife Jones. He'll carve you up. Man, I'm just a marketing genius. 
Dave says Colin Coward is like PK. He likes to stir the pot, and he doesn't actually believe half of what he says. However, Michael says Colin Coward is a loudmouth who just likes to hear his own voice and opinion, kind of like Gordon Monson. Right. He doesn't really have a clue about most things he spouts off on. Oh, how does he have this this job where he's making millions if he doesn't have a clue? These people with these stupid accusations because you don't like them that, oh, you try to just reduce him to nothing. But yet the, the networks are paying. He's been on multiple networks. He's being paid millions of dollars. He has a home up here in Promontory. He's got a home in Manhattan Beach. He's For somebody it. who's clueless, he's sure doing well. How do I sign on to be as clueless? Zach Wilson, very talented. Could definitely prove him wrong. The downfall is Zach was drafted by the Jets, and he doesn't have a lot of help around him. Oh, and, and let's see, who was drafted by a team that was great at the top of the draft? That'd be nobody. No, it's you got to be Aaron Rodgers and Slide. That's how you get to a good team. Or they happen to have a draft pick. Some thought that the 49ers are on their way back up, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah, and I don't think they're that. They're certainly not as low as the Jags and the Jets. Jets. I don't. I mean, I don't think anybody yeah, would the, agree on that. The, the top or disagree, the, I should say. Yeah, if you're at the top of the draft, you are among the worst. And back to the other guy who says, I don't believe half of what I say. He's absolutely right. I don't, because I believe 100% of what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't I agree more. I don't think you believe that. Bull crap. <laughs> I've never uttered an opinion on sports that I didn't hold dear to my heart, clutching it. Yeah, I don't think you'd believe that. I don't think I don't come on here and be phony, man. You take your phony, and I'm not trying to project an image to the public so they'll like me, and my likability meter will start going in the red. Get out o town on that. It's not who I am. It's authentic. Get your facts straight. They used to call me Thent when I was a kid because I was authentic. I'm right from breakfast. If I didn't like it, I told the old lady, get back in the kitchen and make it better than this. <laughs> then did you get hit upside the head? Okay, now, I didn't believe that. <laughs> Maybe you did. I don't think you did. I thought it. Briefly. Before you came to your senses. Nah, I ain't got no senses. That's true. I've all lost my sense of smell a long time ago. Thank goodness working with you all this time. Paul says, Zach will have immense pressure on his shoulders. I hope Colin Coward is wrong, but I won't be surprised if he's right. Why? As a casual fan, I equate Wilson to Johnny Manziel, but without the extravagant lifestyle. Not even close. Good luck to Zach in the NFL. Not he doesn't, even he close. He doesn't run around like crazy. I mean, Johnny couldn't stay in the pocket no matter what. He had to be running around. I'm telling you, Zach is no Johnny come lately. Random Johnny Ward Association now. Well, you brought up Johnny Manziel, not me. <laughs> Johnny come lately. Other Johnnies, let's go. He's work Unitas in there. Let's do it. Old school. You can he ain't gonna be benched. He ain't gonna be no Johnny. Put him on the bench. It's funny how there's just these people who hated, particularly Ute fans, who when they were growing up and were in the Mountain West and whack, you know, we don't get respect and we went to 13-0 and and beat Alabama and we wouldn't be considered because we're a little guy. Now that you believe you're all hoity toite that you're running around saying, well, I mean, they didn't play anybody. So, I mean, that's when he got in there because of COVID. 
And so you're being all all this. Get, get off your freaking high horse. I've never been on a high horse. I don't want to hear that nonsense. The guy was brilliant, was he not? Yes, he was. Is he? Yeah, he's going to be sensational. No matter how much talent's around him? It's not about this year. I'm not anticipating the Jets sucking for the next 10 years. How in the world do you know what the Jets are going to be like in five years? I'm not speaking about this season. They're going to struggle. They won two ball games. We get that. He's going to struggle. It's It's pointless to define Zach Wilson by 2021. It doesn't make any sense. So we're not talking about now. We're talking about down the road. What's he going to be? Every quarterback, every player needs to get some experience and all that stuff, and particularly, obviously, a quarterback. So, yeah, I expect some pitfalls this season. I mean, guys that were as accomplished as could possibly be did it. So that that's a given. It's it's You're looking at him. The Jets didn't think, well, you know, we, we really can't take him because he's going to suck this year, but we know he'll be good in year four, but we we got to worry about this year. I mean, that, that that's not their mindset. Yeah, of course the team needs to get better. Obviously, that's why they had the second pick. I mean, so it's it's a it's a waste of time to say, oh well, even the, with the Jets. Yeah, I'm counting on the Jets getting better, but you could still be a really great quarterback, and your team isn't all that good. We'll be able to see. We'll see, we'll see signs of progress that this was an excellent pick. He's got, well for and then plus he's going to be AFC rookie of the year. Well, he's a quarterback so that gives him a leg up. That's who those Yeah, but who else is in the in the conference that gives him a leg up? I don't know. I have not gone through the AFC rookies. I don't really worry Trevor about Lawrence rookie of the year. Trevor Lawrence has got an even worse <laughs> team around him. So Oh, so I'm that's why to, How do you know he's got a worse team around him? You've broken down the rosters of the Jaguars and the I Jets. I have less faith in the Jaguars than I do in the Jets. And, oh, and so you're already starting to make an excuse for when I'd, he wins it. And I'd well, rather, sorry, everybody saw it coming. And I'd rather have I'd rather have a coach who's been in the NFL than a coach who's in the NFL Ooh, for the first time trying to figure it he's out. Doubting Urban Meyer. Yes. I oh, am. let me scoot over in case <laughs> the lightning just is a little off center. <laughs> you're doubting Urban Meyer. Oh, oh my gosh! I cannot believe these ears. <laughs> that is like fingers on a chalkboard, man. <laughs> You're doubting Urban Meyer. It is music to your ears. It's, I feel bad for you and your soul. <gasps> How could anybody doubt Urban Meyer? He's going to figure it out year one. Get him up and running and get his quarterback to AFC Rookie of the Year. I think it's on the player, but you're doubting Urban Meyer. You're because I make this bold prediction, and then you try. Oh, it's not. Everybody saw that. You know, like that year the Devils won ten games. Oh yeah, of course I saw that. No, I, mean, I, I was the only one I on the planet who saw it, but I, I saw it. <laughs> I told you I didn't see it. I didn't predict they'd win ten games. I predicted week by week they're going to win this week. Oh, yeah, and it worked out. Of course, but I had no idea in August they were going to do that, and you know that. <laughs> Making so, stuff and up. so now, well, yeah, of course. I mean, look at it. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got other, your hero saying the guy's a bust. And now when he wins AFC, well, of course, yeah. It was, I mean, come on. 
Any chance he'll go down the Alex Smith path where you are good, but you got to wait to be with good people around you, good head coach who's offensive-minded, quarterback-oriented. And he was playing for a quarterback when he turned his career around. And we all know he went through a bunch of offensive coordinators. So Alex Smith doesn't go to the playoffs the first six years. It's, you're right, it's not just about year one. And there's plenty of examples of that. And Peyton Manning's probably an excellent one. Troy Aikman's an excellent one. But Alex was 0 for 6 going to the playoffs. And then all of a sudden he goes five times in seven years. And one year he could have played, but they just they gave the job to Collins, so he didn't. But he played for 11 games. They were on their way to being a playoff team when he got hurt. And so he was second half of his career. He was a routinely playoff quarterback guy. First half of his career, not at all. He'll be better than Alex Smith. Yeah. Sweet. Super Bowl? I don't see any reason why not. He has got Super Bowl ability. But a quarterback alone can't take a team to a Super Bowl. Well, we've seen how many times uh, Aaron Rodgers has been beaten in the NFC title. You think I'm going to disagree with Tony Romo? (laughs) (laughs) You can. Go ahead. I was surprised he went that hard. You align yourself with the herd. I never thought he was going to go Colin Coward on him because he's in his hometown, his backyard. He's going to say nice things. But i got to admit, I was surprised that he went to... Marino. I'm surprised he went that low. <laughs> you expect the more Montana Elway Brady? Yeah, I don't not, really not see Marino. Marino. I don't see the Marino comparison. Maybe the Mar- Marino production, which is all that matters. The comparisons think, are irrelevant. I, I, I wondered about that, there. and I wondered if what he was getting at was the fact that Marino hit the ground running, was very good, young. And Marino was in the only Super Bowl he went to was his, I think, yeah, his second and he was year in the a league. late pick, so the team was better, right? Yeah, it's a true story. So it's a, it's it a deep draft. Unfair said, yeah. comparison. I don't know if it was deep. I just think they missed on Marino in the way that they missed on uh, Rodgers. Uh, so, and quarterbacks, it, it really where you're drafted with a quarterback is almost irrelevant. We've seen it over just and over win, again. Baby. Prescott was a fourth round pick. Russell was a third round pick. So where Breeze you, was a second round pick. Where you're drafted. But lately, they're going all in on them, and there aren't that many quarterbacks even getting drafted. Well, they are, because it, they, they changed the rules a hundred times, yeah. and so you've got to be able to get the ball downfield. It used to be the running backs would go, and they were the, the precious commodity. Now, well, I'll just plug somebody in there, somebody from northern Kentucky, and he'll run for 850 yards, and that'll be plenty good enough. Uh, so uh, the game has changed. and I And I think that with Moreno... I view him as more uh, immobile. Zach Wilson is an athlete. He can move around. He doesn't want to. That's the great thing about Wilson is he's got the mobility. But he doesn't want to take off. He doesn't want to take off the first first He's not looking to do that. He's looking to go through, see who's barely open, but with this shotgun cannon laser rope. There was this one throw. Did you ever see it? I seen it. I got it memorized. I just replay it over and over. I put my, I, when I open up my computer, that's what is on my screen. So he can move around. Marino, he didn't have to. And that's that's a nice thing to have, but it's almost like uh, it's a luxury. I'd rather have the brains and the arm as opposed to running around. And then the great thing about Zach is he doesn't run around. See, Manziel loved the 
Oh, I'm I'm and Zeal ran around. I'm near Chuck being well, tackled. I want to pull a rabbit out of yeah, that. Yeah, and he was at the college level. He was so fun to watch because he would do that. And and, and Zach's not. And the thing about it is, Zach has no interest in the nonsense. His mother's running around every day putting on forty-five minute spiels on Instagram, literally every single day. What did you wear today, Lisa? What are you cooking today, Lisa? How's your day? I mean, all this stupid stuff that just invites drama, but yet the kids have none of it. They're completely devoid and separate of it. And good for her. She's a character. I've never met the lady, but if I did, I'd say, hey, be you. That's who you are. That's who you've been. You hit gold because your kid ends up being great, and now that's going to improve increase your profile and now you're famous so good on you and you get to live the dream of, of living and dying we saw it at BYU and the camera would be on her I don't know if they're going to find her at the pro rep level but I hope they do because <laughs> she's fun to watch she's an entertaining person uh, I mean I don't know I don't know anything about her beyond that but all I know and I know I've heard as you know detailed reports on, on a couple of the kids, and they're great kids. I'm not one to say, well, the sheriff sure raised them well, because if you had a kid who got off the path, that means you raised them lousy, because that's the opposite. So you can't have one without the other. We're going to praise Donovan Mitchell's parents for raising them well. Well, what about those whose kids didn't raise well? Did they suck? I mean, you know, come on. So I don't really get into that, but all I know is the kid is drama-free. He just doesn't have anything going on. He keeps he keeps his mind and his focus on what's ahead and what he needs to do. He's he's set himself for set himself up for success. He's paid the price and he will continue to pay the price. Well, the good thing about being a high draft pick is the higher you're drafted, the more time they give to prove yourself because they don't want to admit they're wrong. So if you're somebody who's, you know, you love to watch the game tape and yeah, I don't know go about through that, all man. of that. Josh Rosen got out the door the next year. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the, the best thing that you want, the good thing about the highest draft pick selection is you the cash the that comes money. with it and the guarantee that comes with it. So yeah, Zach Wilson's rich. Good for him. And he's got 8,000 endorsements, and he had it uh, early on. So people want to be associated. He's got the name, likeness, and image, and image, and likeness, and all that stuff. He's got it out to Gazoo at the pro ranks. So Well, the Utes are still piling on. Brett, Zach who? Go Utes! And he got thumbs up and laugh emojis. Zach Tuttle, that's who. Hands, but how many pick sixes did he throw versus Utah? As a sophomore? Uh, what did he have? And and as a freshman, I could think of at least two he had. Was it three? I think it was three. I think Blackman got him. Yeah. And uh, Francis Bernard got him. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, it's clear. He would have won that game last year. Didn't play it. BYU would have won it. Argue it forever. Didn't play it. Not, I'm not going to argue it forever. I argued. I, my argument was stated, and it's the end of it. They would have that bowl game if there's a fifth quarter, too. He wasn't on the team. I know. No, they, I'm just, they, now I'm into would have won. No, they didn't need a fifth. They just needed five more minutes. Oh, really? Didn't yeah. need whole NBA quarter. overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a random rule here, a random rule there. 
That's all they needed. They didn't need a hole. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We've got more football to come, and we will get to it. We've also got basketball coming up with Randy Ray, Weber State coach at 8.30. Damian Lillard's got his game in Ogden tonight at the Old Purple Palace. We'll talk with Randy about that. And David Locke at 9 o'clock, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We've got a little news breaking this morning. Speculation about where the three conferences are going, linking up, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. The top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the top 60 and 60. Weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK in the morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Thank you, Mark. Got a story up this morning. While we were talking, I saw a link on Twitter about it. Nicole Auerbach at The Athletics says the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC could be announcing some sort of alliance as early as next week. I read it about an hour ago. There's That'll not be a, moving quickly. There's not a whole lot of meat to that story, though. That they're uh, they want to uh, basically not let the SEC run the show, right? But the, this new thing is like the the news is there could be an announcement. So there's not much meat beyond what was already speculated. They worry the SEC's aggression could lead to an actual to a kind of a minor league system for the NFL. Right, so that's not anything new yeah. than what was last yeah. week is what I'm saying. So this is what's motivating them. And they want to be in charge of uh, whatever college sports is going to look like going right. forward. But the, the only NCAA thing new is there convention. could be an, an, announcement. an announcement next week. That's the only thing new in the whole thing. Doesn't that seem quick? I thought this was going to play out over time. Yeah, but I, uh, what... What I guess it depends on what they it. it depends on what they announce. What are they going to What are they going to announce that's binding? That's my whole point. So whether it's quick or not, it it, it doesn't matter. What what meat is there that's going to bind USC to this ag- alliance for the rest of eternity? Nothing. That's not going to happen. That's what that's I'm saying. Never, so where's the meat in this? Gonna, that's never going to happen. So if why not working, announce it? Because there's nothing there to, anyway. If they're going to work together, are they going to raid each other? Well, if somebody wants to go, they're going. Can they work together? If they're working together, are they going to raid each other, though? Yes. There's going to be some other movement. Potentially, yes, whether there will be or not. That's my whole point. I think you're acting like this is some groundbreaking merger, and I don't see it. It's just them getting together to say, we're not going to let the Constitutional Convention, the NCAA is having define us, and we're not going to let the SEC define us. The three of us are going to define us until and unless we decide to raid each other, at which point we'll go do our own thing. That's really where we are. Yeah, I just don't see how Virginia is going to be in bed with Washington. 
Yeah, that seems unlikely. <laughs> I think they're trying to steal some headlines. Get the news focus back on us. What good does that do them? The SEC still well, you're sitting talking over about there it? plotting. Yeah, but if the SEC is still sitting over there plotting. But you think there's something to it. You're excited about this. You think this is breaking news. I don't know what it's going to be, so... But you still brought it up. You yes. teased it because you thought it was a big deal. We're, we're using a segment of radio, precious airtime, <laughs> on this very thing because you precious, think there's something to it. Precious airtime. If you're deep, I can talk louder. Yes. Precious airtime. So you obviously think there's something to it. So they're entrapping you. I'm entrapped? Obviously. We agree on something. I don't have any problem with you talking about it. I just don't think that there's anything there that's going to make any difference. Why is Ohio State worried about what Arizona's doing? We're, we're buddies now, man. I got your back, Bucks. I got your back, Cats. Come on. <laughs> hey, man, we are brothers. We're going to have this whole, we're going to have a design and it's going to fit and everything. I mean, the ACC's expanded. I can't even name you all the teams and which division is in which. I have to look the it up. Divisions have to be looked up. The Coastal could, and the whatever they I call might be it. able to name the teams. Although maybe I can't. Every one of them? Are we going to take some precious airtime for me to do that? You're a nerd and you want to. <laughs> I don't. No, I don't. You're the one who brought it up. I know. I realize I brought the it up. The question is not, is Ohio State bound to Arizona? Because clearly Ohio State isn't going to be told what to do by Arizona or by Boston College or whoever. They're not, honestly, they're not going to be told what to do by Illinois. So, But are Clemson, Ohio State, USC, Oregon, Michigan, and Florida State on the same page? Yeah, they don't like that the, AC, that the SEC is making a ton more money and getting a, a ton more recruits and everything else and putting all these dudes in the NFL. Sure, they don't like it. So we're going to do something about it. What the crap we're going to do, we don't know. But let's just call it. We've got an alliance because that's a fancy word. That sounds good. Man, that's just a big-time deal here. we got an alliance. That's it. Whew, man. Here's what you did. we got an alliance. Hey, an alliance. Wow. That's impressive. they got an alliance. So will there be scheduling out of this? TV what? inventory. Because that seems to be driving expansion. Maybe so, but I, I just don't think that Ohio State is going to, yeah, man, we need to give more money to Wazoo. That'll really help us. No, it's about more money for them. Right. Right. So what, if Ohio State leaves, this alliance, screw that. We're out of here. So no alliances or conferences matter. Everybody for themselves. And everything else is smoke. And do we have smoke? <laughs> we got smoke. We got smoke every day here. I wonder if that's coming from a Pac-12 meeting. Jeez. I, I wonder. My, I have doubts that this could actually matter. I hope it does. I mean, the Pac-12 is my conference. It's not your conference. It's not his conference. It's my conference. We'll keep it together then. It's my conference. We'll keep it together for the rest of us then. I'm the only guy on the staff who went to Pac-12 school. When you went there. Did anybody else go to one? Who? I don't know where Jake went. Did he go to Utah? 
Oh, the hell you don't. <laughs> don't play dumb over that. Play dumb over something that matters. Don't play dumb over that. <laughs> so when he went there, it wasn't. No, he's 40 yeah. years old. All right. <laughs> so that doesn't count. Like Keith Van Horn can't be in the Pac-12 Hall of Fame. If he goes up and pays the <laughs> ticket to get in, he can. Andre Miller? Pac-12 can honor yeah. Alex Smith. No, the dumbest is Lavelle Edwards in the West Coast Conference. Nice. Which doesn't even play football. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pepperdine played it until the early 50s. So what happens when you leave? Did they take him out? Yes! That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that would be awesome. The Big 12 just, We're just, be removing just tearing down Earl Campbell statues. And Earl's like, man, I was in the Southwest Conference anyway. I don't care. <laughs> that was like three leagues ago. Whatever. Because I would think that at some point BYU is going to be on the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga is going to be. Gonzaga just flexes his muscles every couple of years to give what they're saying is, give me more. And the West Coast Conference says, okay. Right? Every couple years, Mark Few says, well, this sucks. I want this changed. Or we're going to go over here. We're going to change how okay. we schedule. Let's forget a double round robin. <laughs> Mark, what do you think? Well, you yeah. know what I think. It was my idea. Oh, okay. Well, then let's do it. Yeah. I, maybe there will be, will be some meat to it, and it will matter. Or will, there won't be much meat to it, but it's the first step before they make decisions that really matter. I before think that they make one, I like that one. This is the first step, but they eventually need to get to the point that they make decisions that put more that puts more money in the pockets, well, hopefully of everyone, but certainly in the pockets of USC and Oregon, Ohio State and Michigan, and Clemson and Florida State. Which is because, ironic because they don't need more money. The disparity in gap is already enormous. <laughs> so they don't need more money. So Ohio State's already top five, so they really... They may want more money, but it's hard to believe they need it. They're they're in the playoffs a lot. Yeah. And they've got one of the richest. Are they gonna lose one game or two games? These or are, zero? These are good questions. Yeah, that, that's the only three options with Ohio State. Look and, zero, and if you one think, or if you two. Think PK's making this up. Yeah. Just click Ohio State list seasons and try to find right. all the three. They had one. They had one that got away. I think they're having a coaching change. Yeah, yeah, it's going to happen occasionally. But, it, I, it's, but nobody remembers it's like that. Eleven out of twelve, or twelve yeah. out of thirteen, or thirteen out of fourteen. I don't even know. Right. But it's a lot. Right. It's zero, one, and two. And it's the same thing with Clemson and Alabama at the highest level. College football is actually boring. Which is why if Indiana or uh, Iowa takes them down, it's huge news. Because it rarely happens. And it maybe happens once because it's it's hard to go undefeated. Iowa got him, but Indiana just missed. Yeah. It's hard to go undefeated. But I don't watch that much Big Ten football, and I watch the fourth quarter of that game to see if Indiana was going to pull it off. Oh, it was an exciting game. It was a high-scoring game. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana made a couple big plays and sucked me in. I, I watch Indiana to see what the guy who caused Utah not to offer Zach Wilson just to see how he's looking, <laughs> how well he's standing over there on the sidelines. With the clipboard and the baseball cap. Because you turned down him for him. Yep. And now you people are going to rip him when you knew you could have had him, and if you would have had him, he would have been the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yep. And when Betty White speaks about sliced bread, she knows what she's talking about because she's old enough that sliced bread was invented after she was born. I can't believe that sliced bread is such a recent invention. Shouldn't sliced bread have been something people figured out in the 16 or 1700s? 
They're just tearing off chunks of bread. They didn't slice it. Odd. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. David Locke in one hour, Jazz fans. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. PK. What? What do you want? (laughs) You to crack me up. (laughs) Well, you called me out. You called me as, you know, got, hey, what's up? You. What's the kids say? 13 days from the opener. Cougars, 15 days from the opener. Why don't we just get on with it and have the head coaches tell us, yeah, we know who the quarterbacks are going to be, but we don't want our opponents to know. You think Weaver really is going to be a big difference? I, I do. I think it's going to be huge. I think it's, it's probably the most critical part. I actually don't think they're going to play games this year. They're really going to come out and say something? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The Utes. You're playing Weaver. Yeah. Of all the times, this is the time. You're not playing BYU. Play both guys and keep BYU guessing. That's an idea. And I suspect both will play. If not three. But most likely two, if I had to bet. I'd go with two. Although at that time, you know, if one looks okay in the end, the backup looks great, looks better. But, eh, the backup. Well, and there are two ways. I mean, you can alternate series suggesting that they're awfully close. I don't think they'll do that. Or one guy plays a half, the other guy plays a half. Whittingham will never do that. Or one guy plays until they've got a big lead and then they play the other guy. He consults with Fred Sr. And Fred Sr. would never do that. He wouldn't. No, that's not football. Now, Freddie, he might do it. <laughs> that was just a shot. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was, too. Freddie's a little more wild cardish. He, he, he's not quite as serious as Kyle. A little looser. He wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't think anybody will do it. He's just inviting. We don't know what we're doing. And, and I don't think Andy would do that. So, they may split. They may... Go halves, but that's sort of a loose uh, idea. See how see how the game goes. I mean, there's no question in in their minds. I think they want to play both in, in, against Weber for sure, uh, uh, particularly Rising, because Brewer, you know, he threw for four hundred fifty seven thousand yards down there at Baylor and nine thousand eighty oh four hundred fifty seven thousand nine thousand. Okay. Okay, they're uh, just making up numbers. Uh, so, you know, Rising is the one needs to get some more experience there. But the thing about it is both programs are having scrimmages tomorrow, I think. And by lunchtime, no later than 2 o'clock, they will know who their starter is. I have a meeting of the coaches, and they'll all look around the room. And the head coach will say, this is our guy. And every coach will hear it and know. Well, actually, uh, you know, since both have tons of confidence in their offensive coordinator, I think the coordinator will go. We'll look around the room and say. Well, look, no, I, I, the coordinator will go and say, this is, I think this is who we should go with. We should go with this guy. And the coach will say, okay. And then, I don't, I don't know, maybe the coordinator will announce it. Uh, uh, but, but the head coach maybe announce it too. Although I think the – the other coaches will know. 
I think the defensive coaches aren't concerned about it in the least, actually. Uh, I don't think Gennaro Guilford is sweating over who's going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, that's not how he... He thinks at the end they will pick a quarterback, and meanwhile he needs to focus on right. his guys. His job, his livelihood yeah. is based on his his guys exactly. So he'll roll with it no matter who they decide to go with. He'll just say, okay, great, yeah. It it won't matter to him uh, because they've Morgan Scalley's got a defense to coordinate, and those guys are so absorbed in what they're doing that it won't matter. Uh, but I also think they will they will know because they see everything. And they have to go up against those these guys this time of year and they know who gives their in the case of like Gennaro Gilbert, who gives his DBs the most uh trouble. So he'll know, but he's not concerned about it. Well, we both heard former players say that the players know even before it's announced. They can figure it out. I mean they're watching every snap in practice too, and they know. Yes, they're yeah. They're either watching or once playing. in a while it's close, and once in a while they'll think, oh, they picked the wrong guy. And I think it is close at the U, and I think it's it, it's close in a good sense at BYU. I think Jaron Hall will be the starter, but I think it's close enough to where this time there's no BS in saying we're comfortable with uh, whether it's Romney or or Conover. Gone over to a lesser extent because he has zero. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I honestly but, but thought they, you were going to say Romney when you said that. But I think they're they they're believe, confident with Conover in the long run. But I think I they would know. acknowledge there might be short term pain. I think they if they devoted the starter snaps to him in practice, I think they believe they can get him ready, and they would adjust the game plan. The game plan would be different with him versus Jaron Hall. I mean, that's just, of course. Well, and I wonder how much that is the deal. And you got to be careful because coaches can't say everything publicly. They're just not going to. What do they need to say publicly? But do they pick, are they picking a quarterback because of the style of quarterback? You know, I want a mobile quarterback. Hall is more mobile. We're going to go with Hall. The The rest of the game is, is close enough. No, I don't think that's why they're picking. Or they think... This guy's more productive, and if the other guy was more productive, I'd go with him. I don't really care about the mobile quarterback. I think they all can move a little bit. Uh, I think that they're going who they believe gives them the best chance to win. They are fiduciaries of the football Oh, stop. They are. It's my fiduciary responsibility to pick a mobile quarterback. It's not. No, it's their fiduciary responsibility to pick the one who gives them the best chance to win. That's what they got going. That's what it's about. That's all they're concerned about. Who gives them today, being game day, the best chance to win? Who gives them the best chance to beat Arizona and to beat Utah? Just right down the schedule. Right. And for first game anyway, I can't guarantee you the second game. Who knows what's going to happen? Cam Rising got hurt early in the first game of the first quarter of the first game. 14 snaps, famously. So who knows? Now at the U, I think it's tighter than it is at BYU. Which is a little bit of a surprise. Rising's really come on. I don't think it is a surprise. I mean, you've been downgrading Rising for a good while. I don't think it is a surprise. You told me a long time ago you thought Brewer and Hall were going to be the starting quarterbacks. And I, I can't put a date on it, but it seems either spring Well, I didn't know Rising was going to be 100%. It was a serious injury. He didn't play in spring. 
So I had my doubts about his ability to compete at the level he needed to compete at. Now they're telling me that he's competing at the level, healthy-wise, he's at the level that allows him to compete at a at, high level. At his high level, right. Yeah. So that was unsure at that time because I knew it was a serious injury for sure, obviously. He suffered it in November, and he wasn't throwing, playing, doing anything that he needed to do in March and April. So that dictated it was a serious injury. But I, I think that he's competing well. He had an outstanding camp last year. So there's something to it. The kid's got some – I love his quiet confidence. So we should trust quarterback transfers more these days than we used to because everything's changed. Because that would mean the Utes have two quarterbacks who are performing at a pretty good level. I'll tell you, they got three or four. Who transferred, who are ready to go to start this okay, year. Okay, they got three transfers. They got two from Texas and one from Brewer, or one from Baylor. So they got three. But Jackson isn't in the hunt to start. No. The other two are playing at a higher level. Doesn't mean Jackson can't contribute. Wildcat, you know, some got a goal line red zone stuff maybe because he can run the ball, gives you an extra blocker and all that stuff, and makes the defense spend more time preparing for something else. Coaches love that stuff. I'm more intrigued with Utah to see who they decide. When they say it's neck and neck, I believe them more than I believe BYU. Why is that? Because I think it literally is this close. I think at Utah, at BYU, Hall's got the lead. They just don't want to say it. And they, they want the other kids to be motivated and to think that they're in it to see what they could do. Now, we still have 15 days, as you say. Although, once we get into game week... I don't think right. they're going to be flip-flopping at that point. So we basically have another week. That's why, that's why what you said about this weekend, you don't want it to go past this weekend. And I know BYU's I got two weeks, but I, I think even if they don't say it publicly, they need everyone to know this is our guy. When he steps in a huddle and says something, he's the leader. Follow him. Believe it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure on BYU at the start because of the fact that you know you are playing a Pac-12 team, and yeah, it's it's a it's a rebuilding Pac-12 team, no doubt. But that just means you better beat them. Whereas Utah, they can play a, a C minus and they're going to beat Weber, and, and Jay Hill's done a phenomenal job there. But there's a difference. We but know the that. Pac-12 to the big sky. Yeah, you ought to win, be able to win and an upper without, tier without Pac-12 playing team. Yeah, right. Yeah, upper tier Pac-12, upper tier Big Sky. Mm-hmm. But you ought to be able to make some mistakes and still win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And that program is at that level that that's the case. So there isn't as much pressure. Uh, they, It's not like it's, you know, it's a meaningless scrimmage. I'm not saying that. But I think that BYU can do nothing in the first game that anybody will give them any credit for. All they They'll do just is rip on Arizona. It. It's if like they the, just thrash Arizona. Like you can't Arizona. win the Masters on Thursday. You can lose it. Even if you shoot a sixty-one, and that's great. But so what? But Arizona's not going to tell you anything about your ability to beat Utah. 
Or it's, well, I guess it could tell you that you can't if you go out That's there and you're saying. just terrible. That's right. what I'm saying. So but it's not going to guarantee on Thursday. That tells you yeah. you're out. <laughs> 61 doesn't tell you you're in. Tells you you're going to make the cut probably, but it doesn't tell you that you'll be right. in but the you go out and final shoot a 70, on Sunday. You go out and shoot a 77, and everybody yeah. starts watching other people. Yeah, you're gone. Where did Phil shoot an 80? Which major was that? British, maybe. Yeah, I think it followed up after uh, after PGA. Oh, maybe it's the U.S. Open. Whatever. So we stopped watching him. With that in mind, you know. But if if they do, boy, maybe blow him out fifty-two zip. But it's actually even that. I wonder if they blow him out fifty-two zip, boy, well, yeah, Arizona. The reality is BYU rarely gets credit for doing anything. Beat him in a down year. Yeah. yeah. Right. There's like three victories in the history of the school that you can't rationalize away. Miami. Yeah, and of course, that's number one. That's number one. Yeah. It's a go-to. Right. <laughs> Miami went like 10-2 and two that year. Yeah. It's a down year. They lost two games. And whoop-de-doo, you got lucky. <laughs> they had to travel all this way out. You got lucky one time. But BYU rarely gets any credit. I think you can go Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl, too. Wasn't that a pretty good Kansas State team? Yes, that's why they were in the Cod Bowl. They yeah. were they were ranked in the top ten. Yeah, so that's two, and there must be one more we can't think of off the top of our head. <laughs> well, did they get credit for beating Oklahoma down in Dallas in the season opener? No, no Oklahoma lost hurt. our quarterback. Bradford got hurt. Yeah, of course you hurt him. If they hurt <laughs> your quarterback, it proved that you're not big enough and physical enough for that right. level of football. Right. But if you were their quarterback, it's just bad luck for them. Yeah, you had a what was it? Clawson fell on the, on Bradford's shoulder, just Boom. perfectly so. Yeah, and it just so happened on the turf, you know. Uh, so of course that was well, it. Well, what about the Texas wins? Either one of them, they get banged. No, for their buck the one out they there? fired Manny Diaz. He was <laughs> fired on the tarmac. No, Mac Brown How was out about, the door. Uh, Either no. I, I think the, the Beck to Harleen wasn't that a ten win Utah team? No five, I believe you are. No, no, it was not. A no, 10-win oh five. Um, it was oh six. It would have been an eight win Utah. Okay, team. it was it was Max Hall then beating. Yes, down there. Yes, that's what it was. that was a ten win. That yeah. was a ten. That was a ten win in oh nine. Yeah. All right, yeah. so that's three. We got three right. now. Four. I want four games at BYU. <laughs> I only said three. In the I know you the did, program. but I want to prove you wrong. We need yeah. a fourth. Come on, people, rally! Yeah, I knew that. I knew it was a ten-win team. I didn't remember which when one. When Croton went twelve and zero, did you get credit for any of those wins before they lost the last two? At Mississippi State. No, that was so weird. And that was that. Uh... What about when they beat Notre Dame in the season opener? What about when Lavelle beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame? No, no, that doesn't count either. Ninety-four. Two Notre Dame wins. <laughs> Dismissed. What about Penn State when Joe Pa? They got Joe Pa. They did. You're right. What did they have there? I, I will have to find out. There's probably a seven-win Penn State team. No, I think that's a joke. I think going to Wisconsin and beating Wisconsin is a heck of a win. That was a big win. Now, Wisconsin only ended up with seven wins that year, but still, that was. I was in that stadium, and I couldn't believe it. I do think that when teams leave early in the season, when they lose early in the season, they think they're good. It punctures that air of, in, of inevitability. We're good. We're going to destroy everybody. I think teams do get wrecked sometimes by those big, big losses early in the year, especially if they're to a team that doesn't have the Power Five or BCS, you know, whatever area you're in, whatever we're calling those teams. True. I think I A&M's, all that. A&M's had two seasons wrecked, one yeah. by Utah and one by BYU. 
Sarkeesian beat him in a really entertaining high-scoring shootout in 96 to start the Cotton Bowl season. And Urban Meyer's Utes thrashed A&M to open the season. And I think those then turned out being six and seven win A and M seasons for teams that are pretty highly thought of. And obviously, mm. they had those games pretty good as wins. That would just turn the team into seven and eight wins right away. But it introduces doubt. The the Wisconsin win, I can argue, best win in independent era. And I I've been around this country covering college football. Sing it, Johnny. And I don't think I've ever been in an atmosphere like Madison, Wisconsin on game day. I've been to some awesome places. I went out to Wisconsin. It's got to be the most true college town feel I've ever experienced. I hear people with SEC experience getting very upset. Well, I don't care. <laughs> I've been to Baton Rouge. I know you have. You and it was U- sweet. I saw been, Utah State game. I've been to Knoxville. Like, yeah. Nothing. And those are great. They're all great. And to me, with my background, South Bend is where it's at. But Madison, it was just so stunning to see the entire community, not just factions of it, but literally the whole community. And I took my wife to that game. We went to a Brewers game the night before and uh, and then drove over there. And, and we got there early and so many people, everybody in town, the line to use the restroom at the 7-Eleven was around the block. And we got something to eat, and there's 20 different places that they're just there flipping burgers or whatnot, and they ran out of water. They couldn't. They, they, they ran out of water and soft drinks, but nobody, and this is true because we went to several different places, nobody ran out of beer. Well, Wisconsin fans <laughs> dried up the two bars in Provo. If you... It's unbelievable. <laughs> How much beer they have? Yes, all these places, yes. And that place is huge, and it was sold out. It was just, and it was blazing hot, too. There are bars in their student union building. It's. I would have thought they would have been run off the field to the point where I wasn't going to go cover that game, but Scotty says, no, you got to go. He says, no, you need to be there. And then they freaking win it. It was just a stunner. And Wisconsin didn't go 0-10. They only won they only won seven games that year. But if you're looking for a fourth game, under the circumstances, on the road, that that game, that environment, I gotta put that one there. If you want that fourth win, I gotta put that there. That Penn State team uh, went seven and five, Yach. They started out good, five and L, but then they played a bunch of ranked teams and lost them all. Okay, I'll put and, that and, fifth. And they lost unranked, so unranked, that's my top five. Value. And I don't even remember what year it was. We've got to be forgetting another game. What about beating USC? Did they get any bang for the buck there? Beating SC in overtime at home? SC was ranked at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think going on the road, it, Madison, it was tougher than Provo. because you, And plus you had a freshman quarterback starting victory. his first game on the road. right? But that was a great win. Great, great absolutely great win. But I, I would just put Wisconsin under the circumstances and environment – 
just a skosh ahead of the SC win. Yeah, I, I take I take road over home. That's I think that's always a factor. I think it's a big deal in college football. Signed on. When we come back, Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach, Damian Lillard, the Blazer, the Wildcat, great. Coming back for a game tonight at the D Event Center. We'll talk with Randy Ray next and David Locke at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Randy, good morning. Good morning, DJ, PK. How are you guys? Okay. We're good. We're good. good. We know you've got a uh, game coming up. Damian Lillard's coming back, and uh, PK mentioned uh, a couple days ago he saw the rosters, and he thought, oh, Randy's a genius. He stacked his team. I got the first pick. I'll take Damian Lillard. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Coach Jill Cravens is going to help with the other team. And we had a little social last night, and uh, he said, well, nobody called me about the draft. And I see the teams are already drafted. And I said, well, it really only took about uh, two seconds because I got to pick first. And I said, I'll take number one. And then I left. And I said, you can have the rest. We're good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So I, I hopefully I think that purple team's favored. But I think it was five and a half points or something. But we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, I think it's really cool that Lillard obviously played in the Olympics, so his summer has been busy. The season went longer than it normally did, but yet he still takes time to come back to Ogden to do this. So speak about that in terms of his commitment to the program. Yeah, PK, that actually blew my mind because we are scheduled to do the alumni game this summer. We do it every other uh, every other summer. And when he committed to go play in the Olympics, I didn't even bother him with it. I just said, well, obviously, he's got so much on his plate and he's not going to have time to do it. And it was probably three weeks ago, maybe three, a little bit over three weeks ago. But anyway, I'm just sitting around one night and I get the text from Damien. It's right before he left for Tokyo. And, and he says, Coach, I still want to do the alumni game. Can we get it together? And I it kind of blew my mind, and I was like, "Really?" He goes, "Yeah, I love it." He says, "We got to do this. Can we get it together?" And I says, "Yeah, we can definitely do it." And and uh, but yeah, that, that that tells you who he is, and and uh, you know how much he means to our program, but how I think uh, how important Ogden and Weber State are to him. And this is his home. This is his second home, and he's. Everybody here is like family, and he loves doing it. And, you know, when he comes back here, he can just be, you know, he bopped around. I know last night we had a little social for all the players, and everybody's just messing around, having some fun. And then last night, uh, uh, his uh, fiance, his wife to be, said, We're just going to, I mean, David, we're going to go down to Texas Roadhouse and have a meal. You know, and he's just going to bop in there like nothing. And <laughs> he feels like he can do that in Ogden. So that's why he likes coming back, and he gets to just be Damien. People don't mob him because I remember getting sent up there by Channel 2 to cover a draft party that uh, I think a student put one of the student body leaders, maybe somebody put it together. And it was massive. And he wasn't there because he was a high pick. I I think he was at the draft. But it was huge. I mean, everybody in Ogden turned out. Everybody felt like that's my guy. So I'm surprised he can go anywhere. Yeah, now I'm sure he, I'm sure the heads were turning last night when he <laughs> when he walked in, and I'm sure. But you know, it's funny because people obviously are excited to see him, but they also respect his privacy and 
and that type of thing. Now I'm sure there's, you know, and Damien's so good with people. He, you know, if he's at, if he's having a meal, whatever, last night, and people come up, he's gonna he's gonna talk to him. He'll sign stuff, take pictures, you know, because he just, you know, he feels like this is his kind of his second home, and uh, so I'm sure he gets a little bit, you know, of attention, obviously, but. But people have always been great about kind of respecting his privacy and, you know, and, uh, but Damien accepts it and, uh, and he loves it. He loves it. Relive the story about how Damian Lillard got to Weber state in the first place. Oh boy. It's a long story, but I'll try to condense it. PK. Um, we, uh, his AAU coach that he played for is a really good friend of mine. And he called me, it was Damien's junior year, January of his junior year. And, he asked me if we need a guard for the upcoming year or whatever it was. And I said, yeah. And he says, well, I got a guy and nobody's recruiting him. And uh, I trust this guy, you know, with, uh, with my life. He's, and I said, okay. So we started calling Damien. We hadn't seen him play. And uh, he was, I think I told everybody, he was not good on the phone. He hated to be on the phone. Didn't? So uh, I talked to him a little bit and tried to get a relationship going. And, well, finally we get a chance to go out and see him in April when the uh, recruiting period opens up and me and my assistant go watch him play. And I looked at my assistant and says, we can't get him. He's too good. And nobody was recruiting him. But we had offered him a scholarship right away after we saw him. And then we started recruiting him, you know, and, and getting to know him. And I'd call him every week, a couple of times, whatever it was. He got out there in July and started playing good. And all of a sudden, bigger schools were starting to come see him. And I told my assistant, I said, look, we're going to get blown out of the water on this one. But, hey, we, we, we were the first ones. Let's hang with it. And so we get to September, and it's time for him to take visits. And Damian didn't want to take – he was slow playing the recruiting. He, he was kind of shy that way. He didn't really want to take visits. And finally, we get to the point where it's end of September, and I had to get somebody. And if it wasn't going to be Damian, I had another kid I could get. So I called Dame and I said, Dame, you either got to come out this weekend for a visit or I got to go a different direction. And he says, okay, I'm coming. Me and mom will come out. So they came out the next weekend. Uh, everything went really well. Gina came with them and we had a good visit. And then the next week after that, I went to his place in Oakland and did a home visit with him and his family. And, and, uh, so we did the home visit and, um, with the dad and everybody. And, uh, and so, and we were very honest in recruiting. I, was, I was, think I told the story that, you know, I was telling uh, Damien and his family, I said, hey, if you come to Weaver State, you, you're going to go to class. And if you don't go to class, I'm going to send you home. And if you don't work hard every day, I need a guy that's going to be an everyday guy. And if you don't, I'm going to send you home. And my assistant's kicking me. He's like, hey, let's <laughs> easy now. Uh, and, uh, and I told him, if you don't play for your teammates, and this is kind of how we do our recruiting spiel, we try to be as honest as possible. You don't play for your teammates and give up yourself for the team. I'm going to send you home. And then I said, now, on the other hand, if you'll embrace those things I just talked about, you're going to love the results, and you're going to be a better player, better person, better student, all these kind of things. And anyway, we get done, uh, and there's a lot of people there. There's aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces. There's probably 30 people there. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave, and I can't find Damien. And Gina, the mom, says, I says, hey, Gina, i got to go. And she says, can you hold 10 minutes? And I saw Damien and the dad in the backyard. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I can hold. And so anyway, pretty soon here comes Damien. He comes walking in. And I think I told this story quite a few times, but I'm against headbands, right? I thought I didn't like them. And Damien used to wear a headband. And Damien comes walking back in with the dad. And he's got this very serious look on his face. And he comes up to me and says, coach, 
He says, if I come to Weber State, can I wear a headband? And, and I'm like, oh, no, I, I was hoping this wouldn't come up. <laughs> now i got now I got to make a decision, right? Am I going to lose this kid over a damn headband? <laughs> uh, and anyway, so I, I put my head down. I looked up. I looked him in the eye, and I says, Damien, I don't like headbands. And he looked away, and I want all our guys to, we're all going to dress the same here. We would say, you know, I'm old school. We're going to look the same, dress the same, all that stuff. And uh, so he looks away, he gets that serious look on his face, and he, he, he got me good. And I said, oh, my God, I just lost him over a headband. <laughs> <laughs> and then he finally, you know, he takes it, he comes back after a few seconds, looks at me, puts his arm around me, says, you think I care about a damn headband? <laughs> I'm coming to Weaver State. So, it, well, thank God it all worked out. But that's, sorry that took so long, but that's kind of the story in a nutshell. So there are plenty of stories about coaches who get verbal uh, commitments and have that kind of conversation in the living room. And as one coach famously said, verbals don't mean bleep. (laughs) At any point after that, did you hear about another school reaching out to him and think, oh, boy? You know, a little bit, but not really, because, uh, DJ, I I was really close with his AU coach, and – and these are good. And, and I, I knew who Damien was. Damien was as loyal and good a person with values and high character of anybody that I, you know, that we had and, and that we recruited. So, and his mom and dad were the same way, you know, his mom and dad are awesome people. And, and so I didn't, once he made his commitment, I felt really good that it was going to stick because of who he is and because of who his AAU coach is. I mean, this is high character, high integrity people. So I, I won't, I won't, kid you of course it snuck into my mind you know especially after the first few days of the commitment when we got it out there and it was released I was like okay people are going to start to come in and try to change his mind but but I didn't worry too much about it because of who he was you know so thank god it, it, he hung tight well the shocker then obviously Randy in retrospect this guy is literally going to go to the Hall of Fame, right? He's one of the best players, yeah. probably the best player, If even if he were to leave Portland. I'm not saying he is, but he's probably the best player that they've ever had, and they've had some really good players, as to why then, at that time, he's under-recruited because it doesn't make any sense. You know, PK, I've thought about that a lot. Now, the one thing is he played for the Oakland Rebels AAU team. He did not play for a for a high-level AAU, a high-exposure one that had a bunch of high-major, four- or five-star guys. That's the Oakland Soldiers that come out of that area. And he was approached to play for him, but he was so loyal to his AAU coach that coached him since he was like in eighth grade. You know, that's Damian. He's going to stay with the program that he started with. And that team just didn't get a lot of, a lot of recruiters now. They did find him in July. You know, there's no secrets out there. Once a kid starts playing, everybody starts talking about him. So it did start to hit, but it never hit to the level that, you know, it could have got to, obviously. But Damien was, I know, I I hate the star system, you know, five-star, four-star, whatever. But Damien was labeled a two-star guy, you know, as a junior. And I think a lot of people look at those, and they don't follow up on those. Well, he's a two-star. He's definitely not going to be good enough. And he had that label going into that, that summer. And I think even though he did get San Diego State was on him, Arizona State kind of recruited him, uh, St. Mary's, SMU. It wasn't the level of the big Pac-12s. But I think a lot of those guys get caught up in 
hey, they look at his name, they see two stars. Well, we're not, even though we heard good things, we're not going to go look at him. He's not going to be good enough. And so thank God, I think a lot of people stayed away because of that. So you've got to look back. You've had a lot of good teams, and you've been to. Have you been to three NCAA tournaments? I think. Yeah. 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 Three. Mm-hmm. But you didn't. You didn't go with Damien. How did that all work out? Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird thing, isn't it? It's, it's a strange. totally weird stat. Yeah. It is. I mean, we won the league what two or three times, but uh, the one year we we lost it. We we'd won the league by quite a bit. We were best team in the league. We host the tournament. And we played Montana at home, and we're up by tw- in the championship game. We're up 20. This is the worst defeat I've ever had in my life, but we end up losing. Some kid from Montana goes for 42, and we tried everything to stop. We couldn't, and whatever. We lose by one, and that was Damian's sophomore, I believe, junior year, maybe it was. And then the next year, I believe, we won the league. And then, uh, but we had uh, that year. I know. I remember we had some major injuries. We had two or three starters that that got banged up, and we just weren't the same team coming down the stretch when we got to the tournament. And the first year, uh, it was just it was just weird. You know, we were good, but we just couldn't get over the hump in the tournament. A couple times because of injuries, and a, a, a couple times just because we got beat. You know. You know, it's funny because you lose the wrong game at the wrong time. And we lost in the championship game a couple times, and it was just weird. And so, yeah, yeah, I wish we could have a do-over. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> also, I saw on the list uh, a kid that was a real tough kid and played in the NBA, Eddie Gill, right? He's there, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. What's he up to? I love to? Eddie. He's, uh, you know, he's doing t- TV and radio for the Indiana Pacers. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I've stayed in touch with Eddie. I recruited Eddie when I was at Colorado State, and he ended up going to Weber State, and I got to know him then. But uh, we've stayed in touch. He comes back a lot, and he was at the reception last night. He's doing fantastic. Looks great. Looks like he can still play 30 minutes. Uh, you know, he played, what, three, four years in the NBA for the Pacers? Um, great kid, tough kid, really, yeah. really good. But, yeah, he's, he's doing TV and radio stuff for him, loving it. Doing great, has his family, two kids, they're in college, both playing basketball. They're doing wonderful. Uh, another guy that Weber State fans have a soft spot for, Harold, the show, Arsenault. How much or how little <laughs> are you in touch with Harold? You know, actually quite a bit. Uh, he uh, he came back and played a couple times. He's not going to make it this uh, tonight for the game. But uh, but we stay in touch. You know, he's he was in Mexico playing for a long time, and, and uh, he would talk to us about certain players down there if we needed to recruit him. Last I heard, I believe, uh, don't quote me, but I think he's in Atlanta or in that area, but he's still, if he, you know, he's still working with kids, and he'll call me or text me, Coach, I got a guy, come check him out, that type of thing. But uh, Now, Harold is not and would not be in the same playing shape that Eddie Gill would be in. <laughs> 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 he came back a few years ago, and he Harold is the, is the best guy ever, and he's funny as heck. And he's probably thirty, forty pounds overweight, but uh, but just a wonderful, wonderful guy. It's so fun to have all these guys. And we got guys last night at the reception. We got fifty-five-year-old guys that are still going to try to play, and then we got twenty-two-year-old guys that are going to play. We got a wide range, and all these guys, you know, that have played at Weber State, you know. We're, we're, we bring them back. We're still family, right? And and uh, it's fun to see these guys interact and talk about their days compared to the other guys' days. And they get to know each other. And 
and Damien's kind of the straw that, you know, stirs the pot with everybody. It's, it's really a cool deal. And these guys are building relationships that, you know, even though they're 20 years apart in age, they're going to, they got to know each other. They're going to stay in touch now, I think for the rest of their lives. I think it's really cool. It's open to the public, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's uh, $7 a ticket. Uh, it's all general admission. So first come, first serve on the best seats. Uh, I think we'll have good attendance. We always have. So hopefully a lot of people show up. It starts at 6.30. Damien's actually doing an autograph session uh, from 5 to 6 in the uh, north concourse of the D Event Center. And that's always very popular. So there'll be some pretty <laughs> long lines for that. But, I would think. Uh, but then we'll, uh, then we'll have the game. There'll be some shooting contests some three-point contest that a lot of guys will do, and then we'll play the game. And, and uh, Damien's going to play. Um, you know, I, I told the guys that I drafted last night, or the guys on the team, I said, hey, you guys get to play with Damien. That's a good thing. Now, the bad thing is you're not going to get a lot of shots because <laughs> Damien's playing on your team. So, you'll get up a few. So, it should be good. What I want also, uh, maybe, I don't know, halftime or at some point during the game, have Joe Cravens do an exhibition and tell us what a block and a charge is. Yes. <laughs> He's got to go to the corner of the court. We all know the clip. It was epic. We all saw it. I saw it a million times. And I, to this day, when I, I sometimes I get together and golf with Joe. And I'll bring it up. I'll do it on the golf course once in a while just to remind him. <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that, PK, when I see him. I want to see it. Oh, that is hilarious. He might do it. You know and Joe. You know Joe. Yeah. He's the best guy ever. He might do it for fun. I uh, think it'd be hilarious. That was awesome. <laughs> it was. The best thing I've ever seen. Oh, gosh. He's <laughs> great. <laughs> Uh, I got to go search YouTube and see if that lives. I need to see that again right now. <laughs> that hey, might have been the DJ, funniest. If you, if you, hey, if you find it, DJ, please text me. I, <laughs> I will. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> because then I'm going to go before the game and I'm going to show them that. I'm not, I, seriously, I want to see it, so I'm going to show it to them. So <laughs> have some of the younger guys seen it? I mean, the older guys probably talk about it all the time. Like Damien wouldn't necessarily know that. I mean, he'll find it hilarious because everybody oh, finds will. it hilarious. Oh, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I, Damien, so I, mean, I will show it to Damien as soon as I, if I get it. He's working out this morning. I'll, uh, if you get it to me anytime, I'm, uh, I'm looking. I'll show it to I'm him. literally I'll looking it for Eddie, it right you know, now. I'll show it to Eddie and all. Dave, uh, Joe's got three, four guys: Pat Danley, Eddie Dill, uh, Eddie Gill. I'll, I'll make sure I show it to those guys again, just to remind them. Okay, so if. Um... If anyone out there, I'm looking for it right now, but if anyone out there has it, tweet the video and tag me on it, and then we'll make sure, and tag Weber State on it, and we'll make, we'll make sure you get it one way or another. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. And they can just look, if somebody's out there listening got myself, just text it to me, too. I'm not a Twitter guy, so I don't know how to work okay. that stuff. Too. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll call Paul yeah. Grua, and he'll take care of you. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. That'd okay. be really fun. Really All right. cool. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. All right, Randy Ray, Weber State men's basketball coach. Some good stories right there. And if you haven't seen the Joe Gravens video, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's just absolutely hilarious. Coaches, completely into it. And out of control at the same time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome. All right, David Locke, Radio Voice of the Jazz, coming up in about 10 minutes. Stay with us. 
The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon. On your home of the... The best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Listen, every day at 1.30, Hans and Scotty are counting down the top 60 and 60, counting you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60, presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on The Zone Sports Network. David Locke, radio voice of the Jazz, coming up in just a couple minutes. PK, Nicole Auerbach with a story that the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC are expected to make a formal announcement about their alignment soon, perhaps early as next week. But you've seen follow-up stuff from other people because all the national people are chasing this, trying to find out what they might be announcing. And what they might be announcing is not the stuff people really want to hear about. Yeah, a guy at uh, ESPN was just checking it out, uh, David Hale. He writes for them. He has uh, like 10, just has a thing I saw, 10 breakout players expected in college football. And he put, uh, he wrote out, as I said last week with the Alliance talk heating up, set your expectations low in the short term. I've been told by multiple ADs that their quote is no financial component to the conversation so far and that quote, no one is tearing up future schedule contracts. Talks are philosophical. And that's what I think. So one of the philosophical things that Nicole mentioned is how many sports you sponsor. And so if you follow out this whole governance, NCAA Constitution thing, maybe they help close the gap with the SEC by making the SEC sponsor more sports. Yeah, well, they have about two more. The Big like Ten, 22 to 19. The Big Ten averages 25 sports per campus, the ACC 24 and the Pac-12 23, SEC mm, 20. 19.9, I'm going to round them up. I rounded every, everybody is at like 0.8 or 0.9. I rounded everybody up. So, make them add two or four more sports. And why? Spend a little, because it costs them a little bit of money. I know, but why do they have to add them? Because <laughs> you're going to set these ground rules for how, you, you don't want the NCAA Division three, two, and, and even the smaller slash less important D1 schools setting your rules. So, you're going to set the rules, and now these three. Yeah, but the rules are going to set to whatever AC, the SEC agrees to set them at. Well, not if they get outvoted. Okay, the fourth. So what? Then we'll leave. Teams. And then we'll invite Ohio State and Michigan and Notre Dame, and, and then we'll really be separate. And you people will be Triple A, or you'll be Four A. Ever heard of that that guy who's really good in the minors but can't get it done in the majors? He's yeah. a Four A player. Yeah, they've actually said that about whole Padre teams. Yes, yeah. he's quadruple A. So that, no, he's good enough to be on a roster, and he can't win a thing. I don't see that. If whatever you have, if the SEC isn't in it. You don't have much. So you're actually leaning towards what I brought up a couple times, and I'll bring up again. Go ahead. The SEC, at 16 teams, at some point, is going to go to 20 or 24. If they want to. And they're going to pull big dogs, and they're going to try to be the only game, or at least the biggest game, and really be the only conference at the level they're at. And ace everybody else out. As long as they invite the Devils, I'm good with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where they're going. And whatever these other three do. Got to play golf in the winter. <laughs> I think they got Florida. So, yeah, you can golf get mosquitoes in and whatnot. You can golf in Florida in the winter. It's not as good. 
All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, David Locks, Radio Voice of the Jazz. Too many retirees, they slow you down. (laughs) Oh, because there's no retirees in Arizona. But it's not too many. Okay. Because they got more courses per capita. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you haven't seen that Joe Cravens video, a listener just uh, tweeted it. Tweeted it out. It's uh, He tagged my account with it. I can retweet it. You can find it. It's at the Weber State account. And he tweeted it at Damian Lillard, too. All right. We're going to talk with uh, David Locke here in a minute. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Uh, we talked about this a little earlier this morning, PK, but we can catch our uh, listeners up on this. The uh, Gordon's got a uh, story out, and I saw the tweet. I haven't read the story, but saying the coaches know. They're spinning it. They're lying to us. They know they're starting quarterbacks. Yeah, and that done. goes along the lines of how many Division One quarter uh, programs do we have? How many high school programs do we have? I don't. I don't think that's unusual. Everybody thinks they're going to get an edge by fooling the other team. I don't think that's it. Really? No. Then why not? Why not just say this is the guy? Why? Yeah. I mean, why? Why cut off competition when you don't need to? Everybody knows the backup quarterback doesn't know? Or he thinks he's close, so even if he's behind, he could catch up? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't think that, hey, I got two weeks to show my stuff before the first game, and I'm going to come out fired up, then I don't want you in my program. I think with kids transferring, there's no point in announcing stuff either because it just makes them more likely to transfer. And granted, a lot of kids are going to transfer anyway. Yeah, but I don't know that now's the time to transfer because the, the, whole, the whole idea of where you have to be in residency for years out the window now, you right. don't. So yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't play into it anymore. And if you're, especially for a quarterback, how are you going to go to a new program and play this year? Better to stay well, as the backup and maybe play because of the injury. Because if you didn't yeah. transfer, like the Finnegan kids, kids didn't ineligible. transfer, right. Yeah. So you had to do it by July. So stay, Yeah. and maybe you get to play as a backup because yeah. there's an injury so the, in front of you. I don't think the transfer thing is Applies an anymore. issue anymore. That to was, every single kid, yeah. to some of them. But if we start listing all the stuff that coaches told us that weren't true, we would <laughs> burn be. down every forest. <laughs> and nobody prints anything anymore, so that's an outdated reference. We'd be uh, here all day. Yeah. And all night. So that's not anything. That's more of a man, uh, dog bites man there. Sure, I agree with that. But, of course, uh they're not going to tell us who is going to be the starting tight end. But the thing about the tight ends is they'll multiple play, whereas quarterback is the one position where it's one dude, and you hope that he takes all the snaps. And if he doesn't take all the snaps, it's because you put him in the backup because it's a blowout in your favor. So, I mean, nothing against that, but it's sort of obvious. Of course they know. They've been, they're there every day. They chart everything 5,000 times over. So it's, yes, yes, they know. They're well aware of what's going on. And I don't, I don't think they have to tell us. Well, what difference does it make? It's fun to know. It energizes fans to you and I. It doesn't make any difference. Tell me. Don't tell me. Yeah. You can't hide it on game day anyway. Right. And there's no guarantee it'll last more than 14 plays on game day, even after you decide. But that, that's like saying, uh, you know, sweetheart, uh, 
Uh, do I look good in this dress? I mean, everybody <laughs> plays this game. This yeah. is not unique to coaches. You know, how did this dinner taste? It was awful. Who's going to say that? <laughs> Somebody wants to go live outdoors. Yeah, so, really, it it crosses all spectrums of life. You know, one time we went back, Utah played Chicago State back there, and they had a jazz band performing underneath the basket. It's the only thing I can remember about that game. <laughs> and after the game, and they sucked. They've sucked for years. And after the game, after the game, the sport—I uh, think it was the sports information guy—asked Bruce Woodbury, the sports information guy for Utah, "Man, what'd you think about a team?" Uh, yeah, you have some nice guards. <laughs> I did see Lavelle just lie through his teeth once after the Motor City Bowl. What do you think about bowl game here in Detroit? Oh, I think they do a great job. Yeah. I think it's outstanding. Like nobody wanted to fly to Detroit for a game on December twenty sixth. <laughs> they were probably there earlier, but uh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, they were. They were there for Christmas. They were there earlier. And could you play this game on December 30th so we could come in on the 26th and have Christmas at home? Or the 23rd. Bowl game in, yeah, or the 23rd, like Vegas. Yeah, bowl game in Detroit, not, I've been to bowl games in San Diego, they were better. Who's going to say that? Not Lavelle. He said, it's great, they're doing a fine job. Well, in in two weeks from now, I'm going to write that, yeah, they, the coaches, they knew. Since Gordon copied me, I'm going to copy him. (laughs) David Locke joins us now, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. David Locke brought to you every week by the Murdoch Auto Group. David, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. So, PK, yeah, PK, I'm at a golf place that is a, I'm not in Utah, um, that is a swing speed center. Oh, really? It's fascinating. Yeah, pretty fascinating. Like, Arden's picked up seven miles an hour on her ball speed in 40 minutes. Wow, and you're just, kidding. And just, and just went to 10, just had three swings where her ball speed's up 10 miles an hour in 40 minutes. And so what do they in, uh, indicate that that would be in terms of uh, added distance? Because swing speed is uh, where it's two, about. Two, uh, ball, so we're doing ball speed, not swing speed on, on her, just because of her swing and the way she swings. Ball speed's more important. So it's about, it's close to two yards per mile per hour. Nice. Two yards so, for every mile an hour? Of ball speed, yeah. So if you pick up seven, so she was at two. She was at two twenty-five, and she's close. She's verging on two fifty right now. Wow, she running around high fiving every people, high fiving uh, everybody. She's, she's quite honestly not to reveal all family secrets on the air. She's had a really tough week, so this is good. I was playing with a kid who uh, went Park City High School and works at a club up there in that area, and we were talking. I said, "Oh, I know somebody. Uh, he's got a daughter. Oh, yeah." And he couldn't quite pronounce the full name. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know who it was? Oh, I don't. I forget his name. Uh, he was a tall, skinny kid. And uh, really tall, like 6'4", six, 6'5"? Six, I would say well over six feet, yeah. Going going to Dartmouth? I don't know about that. He, but he, uh, wor- he okay. wasn't a... He he played uh, all sports at Park City High, graduated like... Oh, uh, that's not... No, no, not in fact, I, I think he was going to Utah yeah. State. 
Yeah, now that okay. I think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. not who I was thinking about. Yeah. How about this one? Poor, how about, you want a crazy COVID story? So there's a kid we know really well. Great kid. I mean, fabulous kid. Like, we all, like, just, you know, world-class kid. So he gets good golfer, gets Dartmouth. Ivy League school says, we'll have you. So he gets into Dartmouth. He's going to Dartmouth to play golf. They cancel golf during COVID. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. how's that for a heartbreaker? Right, right? totally. Like, ooh. Yeah. I think they might be reinstating it, so he's trying to figure out what he's doing. But like, hope so. Still, I don't. You know, like talk about knocking off like every life dream you've ever had: Ivy League school and golf, and da, 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 and then oh, by the way, that's gone. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a pretty rough lesson at eighteen years old. I agree. So while you seem to be in quite the good mood, LeBron James is not in a good mood. A poll of ten. Uh, executives, coaches, you know, people with some NBA tie, and the votes for best player in the league get split between Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kevin Durant. Hardly outrageous, but LeBron is upset by this. Now, his Lakers were picked to go back to the NBA Finals. So there is that. Do you make much of that, or is this just Michael Jordan finding a way to motivate himself? Yeah, I mean, I think this is LeBron at 36 trying to find another way to motivate him, and it's an interesting question. Like, so... And I don't even, like, it's interesting, like, I'd ask that question, I think I'd be, like, if you just, like, ask me right now who's the best player in the NBA, and obviously everyone's going to do their off-season rankings, and they're super fun to do. Like, it's such a complicated question because of LeBron's age, right? So, you know, you're at 36, I think is what he is now, and so is he my best player in the league for 82 games? Probably not. Is he the best player in the league for a seven-game series? Probably not. Is he the best player of the game for like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter of a 90-90 game? Yeah, I'm still going LeBron, right? Like, I think. Um, so, I mean, Giannis really, that was remarkable. I really almost want to kind of go back and re-watch that series the more I kind of have, like, I don't know. I almost feel like while it was going. I mean, the playoffs this year were just so incredible with Durant's foot on the line and holiday steal. I mean, I'm going to take this in a different direction now, but like I was actually kind of going through some stuff the other day. Cause I think Milwaukee's really interesting in that one that Chris Middleton is like their second best player. That kind of defies all logic we have in the NBA that that can be your second best player and, and win a championship. And so I've been kind of trying to walk through what they've done. It's pretty fascinating, right? Like, you go back and look, in the year they got beat by Toronto, they two years ago they're like play a double overtime game three in that playoff series, up two games to none in Toronto. Like, well, I haven't gone back to rewatch it. I probably will just try to find it somewhere because I'm curious. But it seems to me if you're playing a double overtime game, you probably had five chances to win that game, right? Maybe six. Like so. Like that, the difference between them, like winning the title two years ago, is probably this double overtime game against Toronto. And the difference this year is Kevin Durant's foot being like on the line for a three, right? Like it's kind of amazing. So I guess trying to take it back to the sorry, that's just kind of where I was basketball wise. But when you take it back to this question about like who's the best player, like, well, if Giannis had won it, if won that double overtime game and maybe he wasn't ready and so he wasn't the best player in the league, but if he'd done it then, like, we'd be saying that Giannis is the best player in the NBA for three years now, right? Like, it's pretty interesting. Like, Kawhi's been talking about as the best player in the league, but that's because of that double overtime game when Toronto's way and then they somehow won three more and then that ball bounced in. I would suspect, based on summer league, guards like Forrest would do well 
And so, to me, watching him play in the summer league was about what I expected. Uh, but I didn't know what to expect from Azubuke, and I thought he had stretches of defensive dominance. Do I read into it? Is there anything there? Um, I kind of hate summer league for these purposes. Um, so with that caveat, now let's hold the discussion just because I feel like I've made more mistakes in every stage of my like 25 years in the NBA of evaluating people by watching summer league. And like my greatest, it goes all the way back to like the jazz giving David Benoit a big contract as he dominated summer league. Like, come on, like no crap. Um, and it goes back to, I remember watching a summer league game. We played like Washington in Vegas and it was like Trey Lyles and Kelly Oubre decided to put on a one-on-one show for each against each other. And it was like, this is the biggest waste of time I've ever seen because neither of these guys should ever do this in the NBA. So what's the point of having him do it here? The actual point is that both these guys need to learn how to play with teammates, not to be selfish. So I just, I'm not the biggest believer in summer league. I'm sure scouts see a lot out of it and I just not good enough to get it. With that said, in regards to Azabuke, I mean, I think it's important in that, he was dominant, and he he really can run, and you saw all the skills. What I can't tell is, like, let's go back to the Jazz playoff series against Memphis. Like, Valanciunas is really, really good, and he'll make New Orleans better. But he can't move laterally an, at all. And so Donovan would take him on the pick and roll, and if he's backpedaling and drop coverage, Donovan just torched him. Like, if you go back and look at the numbers, and they were actually there in the regular season, too, of like Donovan pick and roll on Valanciunas, he just kills him because he's got a wiggle and Valanciunas has none. There wasn't a single guard that the Jazz played in summer league, and maybe Emmanuel quickly was like the only guard in summer league that was actually good enough, or maybe Jalen Green, um, to to test Azabuke in that manner, right? So like all the defensive stuff looks great, but like I want to see an NBA guard coming at him to be able to tell whether or not that size and that, that, that length can have the same impact. And then, you know, his weaknesses are that he's not a great defensive rebounder, partially because I just don't think he's a great defensive rebounder, and two, because he's trying to block every shot. Well, like, Summer League doesn't really expose that. Like, his wanting to block every shot, like, he actually reminds me of Hassan Whiteside in his opening years where, like, Hassan Whiteside, I think, blocked like four shots one year and like had the worst defense, a terrible defensive rating. Because sure, he blocked four shots, but there were 13 others where they just like he overplayed and they either got an offensive rebound or they got a basket because he overplayed. So he's going to have to change the way he plays that because in the NBA, if you try to block every shot, they'll just kill you. David Long, like, here's the thing we got to understand, and this is my summer, this is really what I should have said about Summer League instead of like that silly line about it. The league is so awesome. I mean, so awesome. And there's a bunch of things that are actually happening in the league that I think are transformational on who wins titles and things of like that because the league's so awesome right now. So when you think of the eight players that impact an NBA game and maybe, you know, and I mean four on each side, and so maybe it's ten compared to the guys that are playing summer league, like, come on. Like, it's just like – stop right like it's absurd how great the guys in the league are so i think we have to really realize and particularly in a league that just hasn't expanded forever while having a massive international explosion while having the most popular players in the world and michael and kobe and lebron most popular athletes other than soccer players 
Like, and so if you're six, four and an athlete, you're playing the NBA for the last 20 years and you can be in any country in the world now. And we haven't expanded in that time. Like the league is stupid. Great right now, talent wise. And so when you're, showing it against what is the 15th guy on a, like Trent Forrest, one of the best players. Like he's a two way contract guy, right? Like he's not, he's like three versions removed from being one of those eight guys, maybe four versions removed. So I just think it's really hard to evaluate and get excited about summer league play. I think we should talk about Brian Bailey and what a great job he did coaching the team. How's that? I agree. I do. I thought Brian Bailey was awesome. He's a great guy. We, we don't talk about him. We talk about all the other assistants. He's kind of the lost assistant in there. He's out of the G League. He's a crazy Ooh. great story. He went to Bucknell University, played, and then they were recruiting another guy on his team and to go play in Europe, and then he actually got the gig, and, or they actually saw him play, and I think he ended up playing like seven years in Europe, and then he came back and like did what you're supposed to do. He went to the G League, worked for the Stars, and working his way up, now as an assistant coach. Like, this is yeah, and I mean, then they carried him like off a- the field, and the crowd chanted, Brian, Brian. Brian, Brian. Right. And the name of the movie is The Lost Assistant. I love it. Right. I like it. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, in this day and age of, like, guys, that was awesome, PK. That was awesome. <laughs> so, Brian, Brian Bailey is my Trent Forrest. Okay. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here. David, as always, we appreciate it. His visit brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. And, David, we'll talk to you again down the road. Check Brian, 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 The Lost Assistant. That's a beautiful title, too. I love it. See you, guys. That and the quiet radio host. <laughs> the five-second rule, dude. Mm-hmm. You violated it twice. It's your own fault. I did. I, did. I tried to inbound the ball with four seconds. <laughs> yep. You got to have the five count. Let him think one more thought. <laughs> That's the challenge. I don't pay attention to any of the content. <laughs> I just... Do I okay, get here comes a pause. Yeah. <laughs> no, not a pause. <laughs> because if it is something that I can do and he's done and we don't talk to each other, that's a winning interview. There it is. <laughs> when we come back, everything you missed in this show next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Our friend Christian Cox, former Ute. Do you have an idea as to what to expect from the Utes coming up? I'm on the road a lot. It's funny. I run into my former coaches and teammates in the airport. I'm not going to reveal their names. I've talked to a bunch of them. But there's an excitement around this quarterback position that hasn't been there in a while. Obviously, this transfer in Brewer, he wouldn't transfer up if he didn't know he had a real opportunity to lead this team. And I think there's some things that they can do in this offense they've not been able to do since the Brian Johnson era. I think the sky's the limit. Tell me a time when Utah's really had a quarterback that's really delivered in a while. So that's what gets me excited. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. I think you guys don't quite know how good this kid is. I think he is super rare. I think you just, I think he's like a young Dan Marino. And for people, you know, that are a little bit older who saw Marino when he came out in the 80s, people forget, like, Marino was the guy in the 80s. And then it morphed into Montana and the winning all the Super Bowl stuff. But it was like, you know how Rodgers has all the talent stuff, right? And Brady's like Montana. And then Elway came on, right? I just think that 
Zach has rare ability, and that literally I've watched him in his first preseason game and like maybe four other plays. But I can see certain things, and he has a couple of special traits that God doesn't give those gifts to very many people. And I think uh, without knowing him, but, uh, you know, if he's like uh, what I think he is, a hard worker and cares and loves the sport, the ceiling is crazy high for this kid. I mean, Patrick Mahomes crazy levels which is saying a lot <laughs> tony romo tony <laughs> pumping up zach wilson so we got brady elway marino uh, montana mahomes are you missing anybody that actually played football quarterback during tony's life <laughs> <laughs> well marino was, the, marino was the guy and then montana i think joe montana fans would tell you that joe won a super bowl while marino was still in college so well, nevertheless, but yeah. just the fact that he mentions, mentions these him, guys. Yeah. It, Did he throw Aikman in there? No. The only thing he omitted was Steve Young for the locals. There it was. And I'm going to go on record that's saying Zach Wilson is going to be the best BYU quarterback in the NFL ever to throw right-handed. Nice. <laughs> Mark Wilson, hands on hips, staring you well, down. Well, I think it would be Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon hands on hips. Well, the two things about McMahon, though, is injuries and a dominant defense. And that's the thing about, you know, Winningham takes a big hit. Well, look at his defenses every year. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, I mean, the obvious line would be because he hasn't won the Pac-12 title yet. And they're going to have to open it up in the Pac-12 In his lifetime, Cal. Arizona. I mean, (laughs) two times in... 40-some years for the Devils. So it's not like, you know, we're Oregon here or SC. You're University of Utah, and you've been one game away twice in the first nine years. I want what I want, and I want it now. Let's have some perspective. Before the league breaks up. Which it might. No, actually, it's not going to break up. What? People are knocking on their door. Well, it's the same thing as knocking on Heaven's door. Knock, My knock, knocking on Klyavkov's door. <laughs> so there's a story in the Las Vegas Review Journal. Yes. They got some time with him. Mark Anderson wrote it. I've known Mark for years. <clears throat> and uh, so he had, and obviously. Is Mark the guy who dropped the line in the press box? So this is what a full stadium looks like. <laughs> BYU was in the first Vegas Bowl. Yes. And it was, everybody laughed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, he's been covering UNLV games with Sammy Boyd Stadium. 11,000 people geez, rattling around. How's it going to be in the new football stadium? Yikes. It's a little bit bigger. It doesn't really work well for colleges playing in NFL stadiums. There's, it's, not, it's not a great track record, but go ahead. Uh, so he has a, a convers- He has an interview with him, and, and Klyovkov's coming from MGM, so I'm sure there's a relationship there based in Vegas and so forth. Mm-hmm. And the Review Journal is a you know big influential influential paper there. And, he, and they're going to be going to him, pumping up the Pac-12 no football and basketball yeah, championship yeah, game, yeah. and so they've got basketball relations. tournament. Yeah. And so, first question he asks uh, Klyovkov uh, is about uh, realignment and its impact. And he says. Uh, the, paraphrasing that we're not poaching anybody, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I wasn't listening, right? And he says, we've taken initial meetings with everyone that has expressed an interest. We have a working group who are together deciding on what to recommend. At the end of the day, they'll make a decision about whether to uh, admit schools. I lost it. But, okay, here it is. Uh, I wouldn't be doing 
my job if I wasn't listening to the schools that wanted to be in the Pac-12. And we've had a lot of them reach out, probably all the ones you would expect and several you'd be surprised by. Okay, so if you ask me who I suspect wants in the Pac-12, the remaining eight. Of course, that's obvious. Yeah. Everybody from the Mountain West wants in. Obvious. Right. So that's who I expect. Of course. But several you'd be surprised by? Somebody wants to leave the Big Ten? Now, you've heard many times, we want Bama. Nick's saying, (laughs) fine, you'll get us. Mississippi and Mississippi State want out. We can't compete in this division. No, Bama itself. We're coming west. It's where we go get our quarterbacks. So you think it's somebody from the SEC, somebody from the Big Ten? Or it's yes. Central Florida and South Florida, and we don't expect them because of geography. No, we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't be surprised by that. There's no such thing as geography anymore to an extent. The Boise and the Aztecs were ahead of their time wanting to go to the Big East. Now it doesn't matter. Visionaries. You just get on that Concord. You're there. <laughs> the Concord. Yeah, like an hour and a half now. Uh, I would think exactly. I don't know about SEC. Big Ten, but ACC. Big Ten. Big Ten for sure. Because you're going all the way west to Nebraska. And Nebraska, it used to be Colorado. Nebraska, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota is the western edge of that league. And Colorado's the eastern edge. Not that far away. Right. Right. You just keep playing Colorado all the time. In the but if you're Olympic leaving sports. the Big Ten, you're leaving more money for less money. So you're right. That would that would surprise us. Yeah, but that that is just is how much is that due to when your contract is up? It's like so and so player X Y Z's got the biggest contract. Well, that's because next year X Y Z is going to be absolutely so right. It's, it's yeah. just timing on that. Yeah, it is. They did the next guy who comes up gets more money, and the right. guy the year after that, and that's true in the NBA, and it's true in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know what Otani's making, but whenever he's up but for the a Big deal, Ten's far enough ahead, I don't know that the Pac-12 is going to catch that. Okay, but now who's it going to be? Because the SEC is even bigger ahead. The AC, the ACC, because that's a league yeah. that the Pac-12 could catch under your theory of hey, you've got time to jump them, especially because we were talking about how they're signed up into the middle of the next decade. That's a long ways away, man. It is. You would go the other way. You'd go all the way around the world to get to SC. You wouldn't go left. You'd go right. Travel. See, you see what I'm doing there? I do. I see. Instead of going counterclockwise, you'd go clockwise to get there. It'd be safer. Layover in Japan. Uh, Several you'd be surprised. Not one. Several you'd be surprised by. So who wants to bolt a Power 5 conference? That shoots my antennas up. Maybe the Jets. <laughs> we can't beat these NFL teams. Who can we beat? Well, the Big Ten, I don't know. I was watching them. They're pretty tough. I mean, you only got to worry about the Devils like once every five years. <laughs> right? So who in the ACC? Notre Dame wants in. Well, then you take Notre Dame. <laughs> what are you having a conversation for? You don't need to have, yeah, you don't need a committee. Should we let Notre Dame in? Yeah. <laughs> They'd, if you said no, you'd be so bad, they'd fire you and bring back Larry Scott. Even Larry Scott would have gotten this right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's an intriguing, eye-catching statement. 
Several have reached out, probably all the ones you would expect, and several you'd be surprised by. Well, if anyone from the SEC, the Big Ten, or the ACC reached out, I would be surprised. So then I guess the assumption is... Yeah, everybody else would want in. <laughs> I mean, so the, American, surprised by. the American Athletic, the remaining eight, the Mountain West, they all want in. Okay, so who you're not going to be surprised so by I'm, that. So so out of the, I, I would be surprised by any of the other three power fives. Well, that's who it's got to be. So, so I would say, right, so redrawing the line that I had in my mind until I heard this quote, schools that uh, aren't competitive in those leagues, think they're going to be left behind if there's some kind of merger or move and are trying to build a relationship now? What would the motivation be? If you're going to take less money, you're going to have more of a chance to win, so that's going to elevate your program? I don't know. I can't see where they would be that much more competitive and the financial advantages would be that much better combined with all the travel logistics and yeah. whatnot and all the stuff. He's spinning and it's not true. Oh, so he's lying? Yeah. He's like Kalani and Kyle? On <laughs> <laughs> their quarterback? Fresh as a Gordon Monson headline. <laughs> or tweet or whatever it was. You liars. Liars. He is increasing the value and perception of his league. I don't have to tell him who, so I'll just... Uh... Yeah, but people are going to see that, and they're going to know. The people in the know are going to know. Well, the league's going to start looking around, or Ohio State Michigan going to look around like, who among you would have... Rutgers? Nebraska? Did you call George? By George? No. I think... We make way more money here. So Why would we do that? It's not by George. It's lie George is what you're telling me. Or he's misread us and who we would be surprised by. Maybe he thinks that uh, the remaining eight are sticking together and nobody would call them, and so that's surprising. Oh, so we'd be shocked if Hawaii and San Jose State called? No. <laughs> UNLV right Every, there. Everybody in the Mountain West. Hey, George, West. throw us a bone. Everybody in the Mountain West would react to an invitation the way you just said the Pac-12 should react to Notre Dame. You drop everything and you sprint. Yeah, they would, obviously. Yeah. Well, the possible exception, I guess, of Air Force. They have a different mission. Even they should sprint. <laughs> yeah, but there was talk about them with the Big 12, and they, they sort of poo-pooed it. I mean, And they do have a different mission, there's no doubt, obviously. But it caught my eye, man. Yeah. Well, give me a theory. I mean, I'm throwing them out, and you're shooting them down. I think it's somebody from the Big 10. Nebraska. Lincoln back up with Colorado. Yeah. Lincoln, Lincoln. Ayo. <laughs> I mean, you were just in Nebraska. Did, I was. Did you hear anything? I drove through Lincoln. Well, then, dude, what were you doing, man? Do some work while you're there. Holy freak. Yeah. You could have probably got with Tom Osborne. He knows what's going on. <laughs> Trev Alberts, where are you? I want to talk. Trev, I used to watch you on TV. You got some time for me? How about Bob Devaney? You probably could have got with Bob him. Bob Devaney, is he alive? Well, the, the uh, next of kin. Introduce him to your kinfolk, as Sam Hunt sings. Nebraska and Iowa to the Pac-12. Ready? Go. 
you know, nothing is impossible now. Nothing would blow me away in terms of, wow, that was a shocker. I mean, as uh, Oklahoma, Texas, this is not a shocker. Mm, no. No. It, you, it's you earth-shaking, but it's not a shocker. You can. It's it's huge news. Yeah. But as soon as you say, well, why would they do that? Well, they get more money, and the SEC is making major inroads in Texas recruiting. And those two programs need Texas recruits to succeed, so why not be in the SEC? You'll get more players, right. and you'll get we'll more money. Right, we'll go to Florida, and we'll start getting your guys. Yeah. And, and you're will. a Florida quarterback, and Oklahoma comes calling. You'll you're listen. going to say no? No, you're listening. You're oh, obviously you're listening. They, they just that, had number one picks left and right, and they're saying this Rattler kid yeah. from uh, Phoenix area he's, he's on the same track. is going to be number one this year. Yeah. I don't know if he'll be the, the literal number one, but they're saying he's the number one quarterback, and he very well could be both, a la Trevor Lawrence. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. We talk a lot of conference realignment, and we have done that here uh, this morning. Uh, and Michael tweets at us, hey, you guys got to get Nicole Auerbach on to discuss this. People are fascinated by this. Well, where is this going? There's got to be more meat to it. Are the top half of leagues, okay, but any, any talk of this alliance is to forestall, forestall the thought that the top half of one league and the top half of another league will break away and they'll form some gigantic conference with two divisions and you know minimize travel by just playing inside your division and all the other sports but for football you'll have this gigantic conference and if that happens in the pac 12 if usc goes ucla goes with them the california schools stick together and oregon and washington have the biggest brands there's six teams are they taking eight maybe probably not maybe well, in that interview that I had uh, up with the Review Journal from uh, Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, he was saying that he didn't necessarily see much difference between now and five years from now. Now, he did say 15-20, potentially another story. So In 15 I, to 20 years, the economics will be different. Yeah, in five years, the TV deal will still be based on broadcast networks. In 15 to 20 years, streaming, everything can be different. Streaming my life away. Yeah. Well, streaming will change dramatically. Yak, you let us know in 20 years how it's going. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know what PK and I will be doing. Hey, uh, Maybe PK. pushing up daisies, but we won't be doing Remember this show. Remember that one time you told me to check back in with you? Yeah, PK, can all. you believe that we are sitting here in year 40 and the Pac-12 has just broken up? Uh, I can't believe it. Well, I, I refuse to believe it. <laughs> worse, worse ways to be, though. But uh, I don't think they'll allow me to be here in 20 years. But it's uh, going to be massive changes, and that's the funny thing. I've spoken with guys. Uh, Although it, it, it's true They, for, they think forever. it, too. Yeah, it, but it's been true forever. If you look, there was, there was realignment and leagues coming and going. Utah and BYU are in leagues that were yeah. okay at the adding, college level. I'll give you professional, teams, not as much. No, but but at the college, these conferences have been constantly forming, reforming, breaking up, reforming again. Uh, to an extent, but I mean, in forty-five years, the Pac-12 only did one thing. Yeah, that was a good run. But they had that thing in the late fifties, early sixties, and they broke up, and they were a four-team league for a while. And you can go back further and find Idaho and Montana were in the league. What? 
Yeah, but they, okay, that seems like it might as well have been in another world. Sure. But for a good chunk of most of our listeners' lifetime, it was the Pac-10. So what was that thirty-two years? What thirty-two year run? And the Arizona schools followed fifteen years of nothing happening. What are you talking about? I don't follow you. From seventy-eight to twenty ten, right when they expanded. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, right. gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And they reformed. They had the blow up, which I don't fully understand. Late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. The Association of Western Universities or whatever, and you can look it up. But if technology is going to change and how money is distributed is going to change, then it stands to reason conference affiliation could easily change. And see, doesn't though, and I agree with you, doesn't it dictate every university for itself? Possibly. I was going to say California some, schools to a degree. I was going to say some schools. But SC's maybe, a private school. They don't answer to anybody. I get it. Some schools may be paired up, but I have a hard time going beyond that. Even the California schools. Could break up. Well, I don't think they will. They're paired up if it's in their best interest to be paired up. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Because their interests align, they can stay paired and, up. But if it's not, hey, sorry. Which is essentially what Oklahoma and Texas are saying. And you listen to Sankey. We want to be good partners. No, you don't. I know. <laughs> the commissioner of the big of I, the SEC. And I really do think those that are the, just words. The SEC, honestly, megalomania. Powers there so you can. Gordon ought to write it. something on that. He's yeah. lying. <laughs> <laughs> Just reform and be the SEC. Have all the biggest brands. You really need anything in the West? Seventy percent of the people live in the Eastern and Central Time Zone. Dominate those, and they're pretty close. Well, get them people there's, to move out your way. There's only a handful of brands. We got left the number one economy need. in the in the world. We're going to invite the Afghan refugees. We're going to we're going to have tons of people here. You just wait. No, we're not. What do you mean, no, we're not? Yes, we are. We're supposed to have 5 million people by 2050. Great. That's a quarter of L.A. Yes, but (laughs) of that quarter, 95% of them are going to be from L.A. You're just trying to mix up numbers and mess around right now. No. Yes, you are. Uh, Whatever the population is now, and then then, 95% of that population increase is going to be from California. Nope. Nope, Ryan Smith's going to be, re- oh yes, from California, not from Southern California. He's going to be recruiting well, tech people from Northern yeah, California. I didn't say yeah. Southern California, you and your I said regional California. prejudice. I said 20, 20 million people in LA, so 5 million here would be a quarter. Okay, well then, if we want more people, then let's just get half of Mexico in. And then, boom, we got more people here. Boom! And then we got... Boom! You can sell it to... And it's not even a warehouse ad. (laughs) (laughs) There was a point in there somewhere, but I can't find it now, and I'm not going to spend the weekend doing it. Monday, and we'll get to it. Oh, okay, fine. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Hands and Scotty are next. We'll see you Monday.